It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, we welcome to a brand new MA Roasted podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter. I'm here with my uh, my sleeping baby who just woke up. We also have uh, Jamie Kilstein in the house. Jamie Kilstein is hey, a, a comic, a jiu-jitsu coach, a Muay Thai boxing coach, uh, a podcaster, man of many things. Yeah, uh, a man of unmarketable talents. Whatever. <laughs> a, man, a man that like, you know, if I was a 15-year-old kid or 16, I'm like, that would be awesome. Yeah, I think yeah, it's still yeah. awesome. I'm a 36 year old man, Adam. Um, <laughs> I I remember I, I actually had a phase where I swear to God I said this to my dad when I was 16. I wanted to be either I wanted to be a musician, and then he was like, "What if that falls through?" And I was like, "Stand up comedy." And then I shit you not, he was like, "Well, you need a backup plan if both of those things don't work." And I was like, "I have a backup plan, Dad." And uh, I wanted to be a professional wrestler, and I was going to like. Indie professional wrestling schools in Pennsylvania. No way. So that was my my college fallback. Was uh was how did, how did that purpose. go? Uh, it hurt so much more than MMA did. People shit all over wrestlers, but I mean, I I I, I was a kid. I'm sure if I did it now, um, it would be a little more whatever. But I couldn't move the next day. What what, what was your gimmick? Uh, I didn't have one yet. I was just learning how to like take falls or take bumps as they call it. Um, but just the falling, like my neck hurts so bad. How long did you go for? Like a month. (laughs) Yeah. It was a solid backup plan, Adam. I, I, I had it figured out. That, dude, I, I was obsessed with wrestling when I was a kid. My bar mitzvah was Adam's no-holds bar mitzvah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Uh, I was actually thinking about it recently. I like, I made a very adult decision where I was like, I want to watch professional wrestling again because I've been watching like Ronda because me and you both knew Ronda like at least a little bit like we were like Twitter buddies and uh, I've been watching her and so all this like WWE stuff has been coming up in my YouTube recommends where like all the old like Shawn Michaels returns and you know of my generation and I've been getting so fucking nostalgic I'm Uh. like god damn it it's the last thing I need to do right now I'm so busy trying to like hustle and figure everything out but I was like I'm gonna start watching professional wrestling wrestling again and that was the choice i made uh i think yesterday i said that to myself i I used to love it back in the day back you you can't even get away with the stuff they used to get away with if you look at like john cena's insults oh really about rapping it was just so like what they would say now homophobic or racist or whatever is it because uh what was it his old gimmick when he said if you're gay you're going to hell that one yeah the kind of (laughs) it was this he would rap about how how gay you were and uh, (laughs) wait hold on shut up John Cena, beloved actor, uh, so funny in Blockers. He his gimmick was to rap about how gay you were. Yeah, he would rap about <laughs> just insult you for being fat, ugly, gay. He, but it was he was he was a really good like battle rapper. Oh right? my god, that's so weird and funny. Well, do you remember when? Um, do you remember when? Do you remember Goldust? Oh yeah. So like during my generation, like Razor Ramon. 
uh, and Diesel were like the most popular. And Razor Ramon was just like an Italian dude with a toothpick and like a fucking like Jerry curl. And Goldust was like the most hated villain of all time, literally because he had a crush on Razor Ramon. I think, and he would come out and he would just go Goldust and like blow this his like gay dust all over you and uh, try to like hypnotize you with gay dust. And then uh, the 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 biggest thing he did that made the crowd just boo kill him was I think he kissed Razor Ramon and everyone like lost their goddamn minds. Well, my friend Chuck Palumbo, who, yeah. uh, who's he um when he when he when Vince brought all the WCW guys, when he bought WCW The he, NWO thing? He, well, he bought the whole league. Oh, w- right, 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 right. And he would and he would torture these guys. Like he would he would humiliate them. Whoa. Because that was his way of being like, you guys aren't on par. So he made Chuck Palumbo and Billy like the gay couple. <gasps> oh and then he was gonna have them marry. Wait, gonna, was that the that wasn't the smoking guns thing, was it? It was after that. I don't know, but they were gonna get married, right? And that was their whole gimmick because they were the gay tag team. Oh my god, I but kind then of it, remember. But then it kind of worked. Everyone loved them. Like it, it became the biggest thing ever. Interesting. And then they, <laughs> on the day they were gonna get married, they're in the ring and everyone's yelling like "faggot," Whoa. Just, just horrible, horrible. And then he was telling me Chuck that he went on Good Morning America. Okay. And. Uh, like they thought they were really getting married, so like all the like <laughs> gay, <laughs> oh, like no, all like the like the LGB were sending them gifts and stuff. Oh and, like, no, and like thank you for all you've done for us. And then <gasps> they knew that they were gonna like right before they were supposed to get married, they actually fought each other. Like that was the whole thing. Of they course, actually, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, God, uh, that's hysterical. But if you get nostalgic and you want to watch WWE or anything else, make sure you order Speedweed because Speedweed nice. is so amazing. Uh, it's, they actually, marijuana is now legal in California. You can get it delivered to you. They will deliver it right to you. You don't have to go to the dispensary. You go to a dispensary now. It's just millions of people there. It's a whole clusterfuck of people. Listen, sometimes I just want to get high. I want to take vapes. I want to get a flower. I want to put CBD on me. You can't sadly get high and regret all of your life decisions when you're in like a fancy weed boutique surrounded by families. Not only that, but now DUIs are up to wazoo now. And you go to the dispensary and they have bud tenders, which are these like hot 19-year-old girls. They're like, try this, try that, try that. They make me so nervous. They make me so nervous. So now you're baked out of your mind when you leave and you got to drive home. Oh, that's true. And the cops are probably just sitting there waiting to pull you over right 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 so so listen go to speedweed.com anything over a hundred dollars you get ten dollars off if you mention mma roasted so jamie kilstein one of the most interesting person people i know uh we've actually become really good friends that's true which i i I love um are you is it a little hard to do you get like trepidatious about letting new people in i kind of do and like the fact that me and you have become like so close is kind of like a weird thing 100%. 100%. I, I always feel like somebody, people want something from me. Yeah. Uh, or they're just like, and which I don't mind giving them if they're upfront about it. You know, like that's what's so frustrating. We're like, have you also been, because we're discovering all these like sad similarities, have you also been stepped all over by people that you've given shit to? Because well, yes. That was like people my whole that fucking have, like, life. Written their, help written their acts for them and yeah. uh, help this and help that. And, uh, yeah, and, and I, I see it. I see people, they come to L.A., hey, can I do your Dime Bar show? Right. And then all of a sudden, they have all these shows and never offer it to me. Right. Uh, which, you know, like, but yeah. I, when I got Montreal, when I got New Faces, um, that was like the first industry thing I got because I wasn't really popular in the clubs in New York for obvious reasons. And, uh, and when I got Montreal, suddenly people who were not... 
actively mean to me, not even like pretending to be my friends, would just write me and be like, hey, bro, like, can you tell like Robbie uh, about me? And I was just like, is this the guy who bullies me? Like, at least like be self-aware enough to be like, hey, I know I've been a, a monster to you. Yeah. But hard times, bro. Can you who? How do I reach Robbie? I won't use your name as opposed to just like the lack of self-awareness or just not giving a shit. It's yeah. remarkable. Oh, no, I, I get people that are like, hey, your friends are Russell Peters. Can I open for him? <laughs> and You're I, like, I want to open for him. Yeah, like I have not even asked him ever to I open I get that for with him. Rogan a lot where people are like, uh, I, I, and they're like, hey, man, can you just like tell Joe to like put me on a show? And I'm like, no, number one. Number two, do you know the moral dilemma and like hours of panic I have before I can even send Joe a text message that like I hope he'll return? But like I'm just pacing back and forth, just being like stupid, stupid, don't do it. That is like, no, I can barely do it for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I do get that. I, 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 letting new people in is, is also tough also when you have like a uh... – a wife and kid also because because uh, all the time that you spend with a new person, uh, I could be spending with my wife right. <laughs> and like child. So it's sort of like uh, even now with like shows, someone's hey, you want to do my show? I'm always like, well, what's the, what are the details? What are the pay? Right. And if it's like $5 in tacos, which is, uh, I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you almost had me at tacos at $5. I was like, fuck that. And I was like, at tacos, I was like, yo, who books that shit? But I was watching your, your podcast with, uh, with Bert. And uh, I, I usually don't even watch podcasts, but you, someone said that you mentioned my name a couple times, so I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta watch this one. Better see what this nonsense is about. Uh, and I was I was fascinated by the fact that you dropped out of high school. Oh yeah. Uh, how how did your parents allow you to do that? Not uh uh, uh well, <laughs> the actual story. My mom tried to like trick me. Uh, okay, so I dropped out my junior year. Oh, this is actually like super weird. So I had um. Two of the people who <laughs> have helped me the most in my life have both killed themselves, which I don't know what that says about me when it's like the two people who believe in you uh, are just like, I'm out. Um, and I had this English teacher my junior year who I was getting a 12 in his class, um, like an like a 12 out of 100. Wow. It wasn't like some weird hippie new age school, like a 12 out of like good yeah, energy. Right. It was like a 12. And he... But I could jump into the conversation because even though I wasn't reading the books, when they would talk about the the books, I could kind of like on a human level figure out like what that character's motive is and shit like that and jump in. And he would be like, I know you didn't read that. You're, I mean, you're right. The answer is correct. But like, I know you didn't read that. So one day he took me aside and like the scene out of a fucking movie, he gave me a copy of Jack Kerouac's On the Road. And he said, school isn't for everyone, man. And I don't want you to feel like you're a screw up or you're not smart or you're not intelligent. Um, and that was huge for me because I thought the only people who dropped out of school were criminals. Right. Right. And I knew I wanted to do comedy. And so I explained to my parents that um, I wanted to treat comedy like college where I was like, you could either go into massive debt putting me through college where I'm going to get 12s um, and not give a shit because... If I love something, jujitsu, boxing, 
comedy, I will obsess over it. I'll do it every night. I'll do it more than I'll outwork anybody. Um, I don't have any natural attributes uh, that should have helped me with jujitsu. I started when I was 28, and I was like, I will outwork the 19 year old Brazilian. I don't give a shit. That's um, how I am with comedy and wrestling. Yeah, you just yeah. go crazy. I was just like, I'll work harder than you because I'm. Not, I have to make up make up for my lack of natural ability, and so. Um, so that's what I told, but but then if you give me something that I don't care about, I all of my learning disabilities, the ADD, everything kicks in, and I literally I just can't focus. So I, I started. So I, I was like, I'll start doing comedy. I'll treat it like college. I started taking the train into New York to do open mics, and that was my. And junior your parents year. were okay with this. Well, they said they were, and then I got called in for a meeting to. I had, they said I had to officially sign forms to drop out of school. And I was like, that sounds true. And I went and it was like a fucking ambush. And it was like the principal and my parents. And they were like, we want you to do this year over again. Or we want you to come back. And, you know, uh... And I was just, I felt so betrayed. that Did I you just, have friends in school? Were you popular? No. Come on, man. Um, no. That's like, I was doing this interview this morning um, for that Quillette website. And they were like, were you, uh, we were talking about how like interviewers a lot of times will ask comic like, were you the class clown? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, the class clown beat the shit out of me and called me gay. <laughs> Like the class clown was a hack. The <laughs> class clown who would get laughs by being like Ching Chong Chang and like just doing racist shit. Worse, yeah, whereas like comics were the ones who were like watching like The Simpsons and Monty Python and like quietly plotting our revenge and like reading books and shit. My high school was like the most anti. My public school, before I got to the boarding school, I yeah, the boarding school for like troubled kids. Oh my god, uh, in, in Maine for kids that like, <laughs> the, like I had to move rocks all day. Yeah, and, yeah. And trips. But my public high school. The worst possible people were the ones that got laid all the time. Oh, they were same. the athletes. Yeah, they were just people looked up to them. And then when you finally became a senior, and you're like, "Oh, I can finally get girls," they would come back from their like vocational job to still fuck the hot girls. And you're like, "God damn it! God damn they it!" They would come and throw a football all yeah. day in the parking lot. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. When I went back for my brother's graduation, all of my friends they were still there, and like the same just fucking mean townies that scare me. And so. uh so yeah, so no, I was not popular. And they told me, they were like, just do summer school, come back. And I was like, okay. And then um, I did, and I was back for a week. And I really hyped myself up. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I bought Trapper Keepers. <laughs> that was like my serious business uh, move. And then I saw my guidance counselor, and she's like, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm trying. And she goes, all right, just this year and next year and you're good. And I go, what do you mean? They said that I thought this was my senior year. And they were like, no, you missed like oh, all so the junior year. Oh, you got another year. Yeah. And I was like, cool, cool. I have to go to the bathroom. And she was like, all right. And then I left. You left. So you, yeah. you had no friends. No, I walked out. I you, had, you had absolutely no friends. Well, that was actually one of the reasons I did stand up is I was in a band uh, like I was saying, right? I was in a fucking jam band because, of course, I was. And you a singer? Uh, no, I was actually afraid to sing them, but I played guitar. Okay. And uh, and I think everybody is as insane as we are. So our band was actually pretty good, and we were starting to like open for some like bigger bands our junior year. And I was like, "All right, guys. So I guess this is our life now." And they're like, "No, we have to go to college." 
<laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't. What are you fucking talking about? You have to go to college. And they're like, yeah, my parents are going to kill us. And I'm like, but isn't this what you want to do? And they were like, well, yeah, man, but like, you can't do that. And you forget how rare it is. I'm sure all the fighters listening to your show have gone through the same thing. How rare it is just to like actually do what you oh, want to do. Oh, when I dropped out of college to become a comedian. Yeah. Every one of my friends. They're like, you're going to die. Almost everybody was like, you're an idiot. I lost, and the, the few friends I had, I lost when I dropped out of school because of that. My Same dad thing. was the only one who had my back, honestly. My, because my dad yeah. and my brother, they knew how hard I worked in wrestling. Yeah. And they were like, okay, if he could do that and that. Yeah. And everybody else was like, Natalie Portman was friends with my friend is like you're he's an idiot like uh, <laughs> natalie portman was my friend actually had, was wow. having sex with natalie portman at the time and amazing uh, and, and she was like what an idiot like everyone thought i was an when idiot you said having sex at the time i literally imagined that as she was calling you an idiot like that's like she was just all spaced out and she's like by the way your friend adam's an idiot and now I, make me and come i hated i hated my like my attorney i was an attorney yeah. in college which i only joined because I had a talk show that I got sued for $20 million and I needed friends. That's a whole... Jesus. I saw, that's like, yeah, we, st- we still got to hang out and fill yeah, each other in on our yeah, tragic uh, backstories. So, but I came back. I remember, I remember coming back a year later to college and the, these five kids that were in my fraternity were drunk all the time. Yeah. They were mean to everybody. They were just assholes. Yeah. They were just complete shitheads. And they... Were, would always pick on me, kind of, because I was right. like, a nice person. If yeah, you're a yeah. nice person, people see that as weakness a lot of, of times, especially in 17, 18, 19 year olds. Yeah, years. well, it's like the whole like dating thing, right? Where you're, you're, you're the, the nice guy syndrome, quote unquote, um, where it's like, but I don't want to be a dick. Yeah, so I came back, and these kids were fucking with me, and then I had a date with me, and then I was like, hey, these are my friends, and it was like, I went, it was like the five kids you don't want to see out of the 30 kids. Oh. So then, then she left. She's like, wow, you have nice friends. Then I came back to that party, and they were like fucking me again, so I took off my jacket. I was like, I, go, I live in New York now. I'm a yeah. comic. We're, this is a different fucking, this is a different time. Yeah. There's four of you. Let's go. Who, who, wants, who, who wants me first? Whoa. And they all backed down. Yeah, of course and they, they did. Because... Because you know. now they're on fucking Twitter trash talking behind like a fucking ca- picture of like a cartoon. Uh, and that's, yeah, these people, people are such fucking cowards. And especially when they see someone who's actually going after what they want because um, they're miserable. And they're, I, the reason, man, that I've like stopped fighting with people on Twitter that I've stopped is because I've started to be like, I've been you before. I know what you're going through. And even though I'm struggling right now and even though I'm like trying to climb back and stuff like that, it's like, I know your life is worse than mine. I know that even if you have more money, even if you're fucking married, like if you're that insecure, I mean, YouTube and social media, you could literally see a YouTube video of like a seven year old blind girl flawlessly playing some like Beethoven uh, symphony. And the first comment would be like, gay, like all people want to do is project on others who actually have the balls and the drive and the ambition to follow their dreams because they're too much of a fucking coward to do it. And they're in a cubicle. 1,000%. 1,000%. I, I, I stopped reading the comments. I had to stop because it was getting me mad all day. Because it's garbage people. When when you see something that you actually love, when have you taken time to like log in, create an account to be like, hey, this is really brilliant? You don't because you're busy doing creative shit. Whereas the people who aren't busy making things uh, have plenty of free time so they can instead of make things they shit on other people they're like why this guy get successful i don't know man because he's not on fucking reddit all day so so you're 17 you drop out of college you're, you're doing or high school high yeah school, you're doing comedy in new york I'm doing open mics how's it going for the first couple of years uh i am illegally squatting in an nyu dorm filled with uh fashion students <laughs> um, you're getting late at least then uh nope uh 
that at all because I was just like the weird hobo on the top bunk. <laughs> that. And the only reason I did is because their door guy, their security guy, uh, liked UFC, and I was I started I was training then, so he would like ask me like kickboxing questions, and so he would just let me. He probably just thought I was like the boyfriend of a girl, which I wasn't, but no, it was just like a bunch of like hot girls in this dorm. It was literally like the beginning of every porn, followed by like just the sad reality of just like I don't know, uh, 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 uh Cormac McCarthy. Like it was just so depressing, where it was just hot girls walking by. And me just being like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can I use this? And I would wait for them to leave, and then I would go use their shower. By the way, so I do take your your class. I take. I was taking yeah, yeah, your yeah. class. You're a, like, it's, I had such a different uh, perspective of you, like, because I didn't know you. Back, this is like back a couple months, about a year ago, before you never met. Before we like, you each other online, downfall. Kinda. But everybody who, who <laughs> everybody who hated me, yeah, uh, loved you. That sounds right. Uh, and all the and some people that liked me liked loved you more, like uh, Julia, the girl from Kedzie? Yeah, Julia Kedzie liked yeah, yeah, yeah. you. A lot of like these like quasi feminists fighter progressive chicks. yeah yeah sure, sure they sure. were all into you and i was like okay but a lot of people that were coming after me the bloody elbow people like they were non-stop attacking me because wow. because mma roasted was doing really really well right and dana white who who helped me come up with it was smart he's like listen you can see the news and it's 50 people yeah saying these, and, but if there's a guy doing jokes about it that's who everyone's eyes are going to be at right and it's really smart man i mean i see some of your jokes and it's like all of my favorite fighters are liking it and it's just like it's so fucking that niche uh is so cool so that's what i was doing and all this i was getting all these retweets and traction yeah but all these writers who write all these progressive articles whatever are like fuck this guy highbrow plus they see the jokes they're like oh this is not funny or there's a a racial undertone or this is a sexual a sexist undertone and they start coming after (laughs) no one who uses the word undertone should be allowed to say what's funny or not but then they're looking at you as like you're their guy yeah so Right, right. I don't know you, but I look at you. I say, okay, his tattoos, he does jujitsu. Like, obviously, he's on a Rogan. He, he's doing really well. But now, when I take your class, like, you're not what I expected at all. Uh, yes. Yeah, so what do you mean? I'm so curious. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, with just because like I'm not a douchebag or I'm not like preachy? A little bit. Or... I, well, first of all, your style, like your even your jujitsu style is like mm-hmm. attack, attack, attack. Like you do <laughs> yeah. jujitsu like a, like a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you really have that like. Just it's gritty. all panic, man. And it's just I'm like I can't fucking stop. I, I love that. I mean, that's the way I was when I wrestled. And I was yeah, like, my, it's like almost like the Iowa mentality of wrestling. Dude, that's such a see. That's a much better way to say it. Right before you said Iowa, I almost said like the self hating person who has something to prove. No, like no. you know what I mean? Because I because sometimes I feel that way where I'm like, no, oh, I can't stop because because you think I can't do. No, this. it's Iowa. We're gonna beat you physically and mentally. Is basically yeah. the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also, but you're very kind. In your instruction, like like you treat everybody right. Yeah, you internalize everything when you, when you, t- you teach. You yeah, go, here's, you go. This is how I did it. You go. This is how I sparred. You said I was up against a blue belt yesterday who was fucking me up. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's very self-deprecating, but also even when Anthony Bourdain died. Yeah, you know you guys. You said guys, this he's one of us. You know, oh, like yeah, even yeah. that, like things you do that people see that maybe you're not even aware of, right. of what's going on. And and, uh, and I was like super taken aback you yeah. know um i know that we had a little bit of an issue because 
when, what happened was I was writing jokes. When Dana White hired me and they said, M.A. Roasted, I had strictly from a, from a comedy background. Right. I spent my 99% of my life in comedy clubs. Right. Where nothing's, which are nothing, filthy. Which are nothing's off limits. Yeah. Uh, well, back then. You kind of go at it, have fun, yeah. and it's okay to fail. Yeah. If you offend somebody, that's okay. Yeah, especially so, in New York. If somebody gets mad at you in the audience, you pretty much not only have permission, but are encouraged. I mean, what was the most viral? We know Bill Hicks. As like this prolific, progressive, talking about world peace. What's his most viral clip? Him screaming at a woman. You're a cunt. You're a fucking cunt. Lee, just like over and over. Because like, that's just what would happen in clubs. If someone fucked with you, you would Dude, throw Rich down Boss, until they would leave. I used to love watching Rich Boss. Oh he would like... He had like a person count of how many people he would walk per show, <laughs> and it, it was a badge of honor. And yeah. then he would somebody in Florida told me he would follow them out with the cordless mic Stop and it. heckle them while they were in the parking lot. Oh, that's lot. so funny! So that God damn it, that's so funny. That's where and that's where I grew up watching. So this whole social justice warrior thing are people that have never been to comedy clubs. And if right. they have been, they've been to UCB or, or right, a different, right, right. different type of comedy club, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just no, different. No, I love UCB it's like It's like saying, okay, I've never been to a death metal concert. I just go to Tori Amos. Right. And then you're like, what the fuck? Why is everyone so mad? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Right. Yeah. So they were all coming after me, and somebody wrote an article, and which I wouldn't even have cared had people not been started tagging my boss, which was right. Fox Sports. I had my dream job. I was writing at Fox Sports. They came to me. Me and you were kind of like early hipsters when it came to uh, uh, social media mobs. We were kind of ahead of the curve on that, Way you know? Ahead of the curve. So then you retweeted it, and I was like, motherfucker. Like, yeah. So I got upset, but I, but I was... Um, I wasn't really upset, but I was also upset because I also respected you and looked up to you. Well, and, and it's also like we, we had two of these... We were we were in two tribes that usually have each other's back, right? Yeah. Like comics and fighters. And for me at that point, and I remember it and I talked about it on Bert, I brought it up where um at that point I had so felt like I failed with comedy. Um, I think I said this to you the other day where when I got Montreal, there were three people who had one person shows in this like hundred feet seat theater. And it was me, Bill Burr, and Patrice O'Neill. Like, there was, oh my God, my dad just moved. He just retired to Florida, um, as is bound by Jewish law. And um, he found there was an interview magazine with this crazy photo shoot. And it was like the five comics to watch or four comics to watch. And it was me, Aubrey Plaza, Jay Farrell from SNL, um, not Aziz, uh, I, I, Reggie Watts. And like someone else massive and then me. And I'm like, oh, I'm that guy. I'm that guy when you see the list and you go, oh, who the fuck's that? Or what the fuck happened to that guy? And like you just assume it's like meth. Like that was me. And so I had this year where, you know, there was a lot of hype. And uh, it was, I think, the year like Robin Williams found me and was like helping me get like agents. And I was getting on some TV. And, 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 and to me, I felt like I failed. To me, I felt like... Everyone, I was the guy, and dude, you've probably had this too. I was the guy where people were like, man, we love what you do. We love how edgy it is. And you're like, cool, cool, cool. So like you want to work together? They're like, oh, no, Jesus Christ. That, my boss would kill me. Like, it, it, I like it. Yeah, I'm yeah, a cool I guy. You know? Um, and But then they wouldn't use you. And so, but at the same time, I had this very progressive podcast that was taking off. And now when the podcast started, 
It was we were filthy. We could say whatever we wanted. Um, it was it was pretty much all my comedy fans. If I toured in Australia, suddenly our numbers in Australia went up. It was it, it, I went show to show getting fans for this podcast, and. But then as the comedy started to peter out, um, my partner started to get much more popular on like the left and she was a journalist and we started to get more political people and more people were getting offended. And so I stopped kind of like using certain words or making certain jokes about certain topics and you know, long story short, suddenly it's the all the progressive stuff that's paying the bills and giving me validation as well and telling me I'm funny and telling me I'm a good person. Whereas if I walked into a comedy club, I sort of felt like, I, I I was either old news or a sellout or just uh, political or it was the, this narrative I would tell myself even if it wasn't true or that everyone hated me and so I just went full force to the other side and so when I saw a comic who quote unquote fucked up or made a joke or was getting in trouble whether it's you or Daniel Tosh I there would be part of me that that validated my decision where I would go and just like I said about the YouTube commenters where I'm like oh you're doing the thing that I really wanted to do and I'm not even allowed to make jokes like that so fuck this guy yeah. he has I made the right decision by going down this route road and so I'm going to project all my insecurities and bullshit on him you know what I mean I, I do know exactly how you mean I know I look at pictures of like me Dan Levy and Theo Vaughn were on tour together. Right. Theo Vaughn is now Netflix Huge. special, and Dan Levy's a writer for the Goldbergs. And yeah. I'm like, where the fuck? What am I doing? You know, right. I'm like, I'm doing. Uh, I'll tell you what you're doing. You're in a beautiful house with a baby and a family and a little right. adorable right. dog but, but, next but, to you. But, but there's, a, but I think people like me or you are always looking up. Yeah. And we're not looking down. Right. We're not looking at the people who are looking at us. Right. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're looking at like, oh shit, how come? Oh, how come I'm not on? Conan tomorrow. I right. watch Roast Battle. Right, like, right, right. Maybe I should be on a Roast. Why are, am I being a pussy? Why, why is Tony Hinchcliffe? I, I, right. I, start, I start, why he, and then, but then it's like, like they said, like Sinbad said, like the reason that horses, they put blinders on the horses. Yeah. So that they don't look at the other horses when, yeah. they, when, they, when they race. Oh, wow. Because if they look at the other horses, that's going to fuck up their race. I'm going to be honest with you. When you just got like deep, I did not think it was going to be a Sinbad horse analogy, <laughs> but I'm like very happy it went there. Yeah. Well, it's true. And, you know, when, when, when my life kind of rock bottomed a year or two ago, the reason I don't do that anymore is one, if you lose everything, you're very grateful for the little things. So like... Somebody buys me a cup of coffee. I mean, I've spent the last two hours trying to talk you out of getting me lunch, right? Um, but when someone does that, you really like, you go, wow, I, I took a lot of shit for granted, right? Or when you go to a movie by yourself or, you know, when you lose all your money, suddenly it's these little things that you... So when you were on top about. of the world, right? Because you're super nice now. Like, uh, and like, and well, even, even when you came to me, right? You said to me, hey, you go, hey, man. Hope I was an addict to you back in the day. Oh, by the way, I forgot about that. You emailed me. You, you said, yeah. hey, hope I wasn't big back in the day. And I wrote you back and I said, actually, you were. Yeah. I almost got fired. I couldn't sleep for two weeks. Yep. People were calling me bigot. Uh, people were calling me. And it's, none of this is your fault. No, I know. I know. Not, I know none I of it's your fault. But just being part of it is like But gross. none of your fault. I, I, the trans community, it was over the Fallon Fox thing because I... Look, I was I was making jokes about Fallon Fox, who yeah. if you don't know, she 
she was a guy who, who had a transition to a woman who was fighting women who didn't say that she was a woman the first four or five fights right. because it wasn't on the questionnaire, which makes kind of sense. Why would it be on the questionnaire? It right, used right. to be a man or woman, right, right. but you still should disclose that information yeah, if you yeah. want to fight other women, right? So I, was making, so I was making jokes, but I wasn't even taking a side on the whole thing. Right. I, I was saying like there was a move called the cock slicer, a cap slicer. Here's the cock slicer. Sure. She's going to be on both teams on the right, 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 right. Dumb jokes. And people were like, you're a hurtful to women. I'm like, I'm hurtful. What about the, the guy who's actually hurting women? Like, right, the guy that's right, actually right. punching the women. Right, but, right. but then that's causing me to take a side. I don't even want to take a side. I, like, yeah. What do I think? I think if she wants to fight women and they're okay with the fact that he, she was born a man, go right ahead. I don't care. Bob Sapp fought a fucking bear right. on New Year's Eve. Okay? <laughs> you want to fight bears? You want to fight dogs? Comedian Adam what? Hunter compares trans people to bears. <laughs> Do whatever the fuck you want to say. Just be honest with disclosing yeah. what, your, your past. Sure. That's really it. So, but... I started getting attacked and, it, and there were a lot of lies. Like all you do is make trans jokes. All I do, like there's, I wrote 19,000 jokes. Right. Okay. Maybe six of them are, are about. This is the first trans fighter. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, and all these lies started coming my way. Yeah. And, uh, and I know it was, and then I started, but then, you know what, what sucks about, I don't know about you. There are certain people on this earth that like, they can get criticized and they're like, I don't give a fuck. Like, right. Fuck that. So when someone calls me something, even if they call you're a hack or you're a loser or you suck or you're not funny, I actually think like, am I a hack? Me too. Am I a loser? Am I transphobic? And and then and then I have to like then I start telling everybody things. Like even like there was a time, and this is a whole different thing, Jamie. Like you do like there was a time at the gym that something happened at the gym and I called you. It was like I was going with this guy and he kept saying, I'm gonna get out of this move and he was getting oh, out of the right, move. Right, right, and right, I right. got annoyed. Yeah. And then he and then I looked at him and he said to me like, calm down. I'm like, you fucking calm down. Don't be, <laughs> you don't have to be a pretentious jerk off or something. Yeah. I took it to the next level which I shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. And I, I called you. I go, Jamie, man, what, what do I do? And then you told me, listen, here's what I used to do in the past. I would Something would happen. I would tell ten people the same fucking story. Yeah, you get angrier every time you say it. And 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 then, well, and I go, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. I tell ten people the same fucking. story. You have the beats mapped out. You yeah. know where your fucking tags are and your punchlines are. I don't are. even listen to their response. Nope. Uh, <laughs> that would defeat the purpose. <laughs> and, and I'm like, fuck, man. But you taking the time to like help me out is, is that's like that's friendship. Well, and it's also like, I feel like. Somebody jokingly, when I was like, hey, I'm taking questions for my podcast, was like, what's the meaning of life? And I'm like, here's what it is. <laughs> like, I, I know what it is, where it's to like love as hard as possible and to grow. And growing is almost demonized in our country, right? Like, he's a flip-flopper. He changed his mind. Or, you know, uh, he's just trying to side with people who, trust me, I've gotten offers to go like full fucking right wing and I could be rich right now if i went that angle but i'm still a pretty liberal guy just not like part of the insane left um but you know i mean you know how that career would go i'd write the book that's like why the left is right or some dumb shit like that and i'd be a billionaire and i'd go on i'd be a full right-wing guy who used to be liberal and i'm like i can't do that right um because then you're going the other way right exactly um and but what i 
growing uh, means confronting our egos and it means changing and it means asking questions and it means that have you ever been like you know when you're like fighting with your wife and in the middle of it you like realize you're wrong and you're like oh wait fuck I did forget that <laughs> and then you're like I guess I double down uh, or I like leave or whatever instead of being like yo you're gonna kill me right now but like yeah like I fucked up like you were right like that is so hard for us to do I mean I remember I told my last girlfriend I was like if you want to have a good relationship literally all you have to do is if me and you are in a fight instead of you pointing out everything I did wrong and I'm pointing out everything you did wrong what if you pointed out the things you could have done better and what if I point out the things I could have done better because unless you're trying to break up with someone what the fuck is the point of being like haha you're wrong except to feel better about yourself and make that person feel worse as opposed to just I want to constantly evolve and I want to constantly grow it's like the the it's also what I tell uh, students doing jujitsu about if you're a really big dude using your attributes. It's like, cool, you're going to beat the shit out of that crop of white belts that you're bigger than. But then those white belts who aren't using their attributes are getting more technical and are getting more prof- proficient um, uh, and, and learning the moves. And they're going to smoke you. Or what happens when you go with someone your own size? They're going to smoke you because you haven't learned any technique because you just want to win. Whereas what I tell my jiu-jitsu class is like the reason I got good at jiu-jitsu is because I went into Marcelo Garcia's as a 28-year-old white belt and I got the shit kicked out of me and I didn't tap anybody to my fucking blue belt. That is humbling. You didn't tap anybody? Anybody. Till I got my blue belt. See, and now I watch you and you're a purple belt under Marcelo. Yeah. But you're tapping brown belts left and right and black belts. Yeah. <laughs> which which I don't understand. Like this this baffles me because in wrestling, there were no belts, which I like yeah. so much better. Because first of all, I think a lot of times people go into a, a class and they, they look at the belt color. Yeah. And then they go, Oh, it's okay for me to lose to this guy. Right. Oh my god, that's a great fucking point. Or they go, I'm gonna fucking amp it up. 20,000 times because if I go, I'm going to tap a black belt right, right, and then right. they injure themselves or the other person, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, whereas that wrestling, it doesn't matter. I mean, but if you say I wrestled in college, there's a certain respect you're going to get. Oh, that <laughs> just gave me that. Like my, my heart stopped when you said I wrestled in college. I'm like, all right, that guy's respect. That's going to be that. Or if you look at someone, if someone says I wrestled in college and they have perfect ears, you're yeah. like, okay, you didn't, you didn't win yeah. or you're the amazing. Yeah. It's, or, or you're yeah, the amazing guy who's like also kind of pretty. So you wore the fucking ear guards, which I've never worn in my life. Right. So, but jujitsu baffles me because, all right, there's a guy like you who's a, a purple belt who's tapping black belts or I, I hear like, and can't get promoted. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you you oh, you, get promoted, you, right you, you come from different school, and I I just don't ask about stuff like that. I just go in and 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 sort of do the best I can. And and look, this this goes back to what we were talking about about seeing someone else who gets on Conan and being like, why isn't that me? Or um, uh, the person who feels the need to argue on Twitter, or if you're called a hack, going, am I a hack? Where what I did this last year is I spent every day being, one, figuring out what I'm like grateful for and what I actually have, right? So that I don't get caught in that trap. But also just being like, if I am being the best person I can be to my like, uh, to the best of my ability, right? Then I know all that shit will, then I'm not going to judge someone who got Conan and I can actually be happy for them because I can be like, oh, I'm going to get it. And when I get it, the time will be right. I mean, dude, I think about 
the year I thought I was going to get Montreal, one year I got booed off stage. But then the next year, you really I, got. You said that I heard that you really get booed off stage. Ro- Robbie Pra, who now runs all of comedy for Netflix, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was the guy who gave me new faces and said before I got new faces, it was the worst audition. But you got. Ever saw. You didn't actually get booed. booed uh, the only reason I didn't get booed off stage is because I was screaming at the audience about race after Hurricane Katrina, and it was like an all white audience at like the comic strip live. And uh, the only black person in the room was Mike Britt, who was the host. And this fucking just big fat, like looked like he was like an oilman uh, in the front row was looking at Mike going, get him off. And like oh doing the, God. and Mike just shook his head and laughed and went, no. I one time. And just let me berate them. I one time I had to follow Bill Burr at the triad and I was <sighs> like, year two of comedy. Whoa. And so, and some guy. And I, and like I was killing like a glad at hamburger Harry's. So yeah, I thought of course. I was ready. Oh my God. That just made me so nostalgic. So I go out there and I'm, the first joke, I get nothing. And he killed, of course. Bill Burr killed. Yeah. And then, and then somebody started yelling, started going, this boo started, right? And then somebody's like, the audition's over, which is a weird heckle, right? Ooh. So I'm like- That one's kind of like deep. And also like, it's sort of like a, that's sort of a heckle you would get from a comic, right? Right. So I look over and I see the guy saying it. Afterwards, the guy's name is JP Justice, gave me his car to take his comedy course. <gasps> so he started the booze Whoa. and then gave me his business what card. A piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> what like, a piece of shit. That's insane. Hey, you remember that Bill Burr? And then I, I promise I'll get back to my, my deep wisdom. You remember that Bill Burr clip that went viral? Not the uh, not the one where he screams at the crowd in Philly, but the one after that where he got a donut thrown at him. I don't, uh, I don't know. Okay, so it was at Comics Comedy Club and he got a donut thrown at him. And it was right before. Or uh, it was right after that clip went viral about him screaming at all Philadelphia, yeah. which is like a comic's wet dream. It's like the best clip in the world where he's counting down seven minutes <laughs> or whatever and refusing to get off stage. So I have my first comedy club audition ever, which is at comics. And I see that I'm following Bill Burr. And not only am I following Bill Burr, but I'm following Bill Burr after that infamous Philly thing. Yeah. But I'm like, that's not like his gimmick. He doesn't <laughs> want to yell at crowds. Cut to, he's on stage, someone pisses him off uh, in the audience, and he just starts laying into them. And just the most deep cutting, oh, you're here at a fucking work party because it's the only joy you get in your miserable job as your boss dangles health insurance over your fucking cubicle wall, and the guy throws a donut at him. I was next. When you see that clip online, up next, it was like, J.B. Kilstein. How'd it go? I did great only because uh, they fucking hated him. They didn't yeah, know who he was. Yeah. It was before he was like Bill no, Nye. I was in an acting class with him, and he was like, I got no agent, no manager. I got nothing going for me. Bill? Bill Burr. Holy and, shit. And, and, and look He's at my him, fucking favorite. And look at him now. Now, um, as far as MMA goes, because, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you, you're Oh, obviously- well, real quick, just to wrap it up. If you are... If you spend every day just trying to be the best person you can be and the best fighter you can be and the best comic you can be, literally nobody can take that away from you. Um, And not only that, but you're going to end up doing better work because instead of refreshing Twitter, instead of spending any brain power on what is somebody else getting, all of that you're suddenly spending on making yourself a better fighter or a better comedian or a better husband or a better friend or a better whatever. And so this is the least I've ever had, man. When I was rich, in Park Slope and I was fucking married and I had a 
big ass TV um, and I bought all this shit to project and like pretend I had a good life and I thought I had friends. Um, I woke up every day wanting to fucking kill myself. Uh, and now I have nothing. I just upgraded from living on a couch uh, to a place with a roommate and my credit card maxed out on the way over here trying to get fucking. I was like, try, I was like, hey, I'm going to treat myself to, to breakfast. And it was like declined. And I had to pretend whenever my cards declined, I'm so self-conscious that I'm like, oh, I, 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 uh, I, I travel the country. I, I leave the country a lot. So I probably just need to call them instead of just being like, I'm a broke asshole. Um, and it is that I go, I swear to God, man, I go to sleep every day really happy and I, I i don't i used to wake up with that panic that that uh, i didn't do my homework in high school panic except it's like oh my god my life my life is terrible that doesn't happen and i have so much work to do um and i have so much i have to figure out just to like how am i gonna survive like how am i gonna start making a living as a comic again or as a writer or, or what with the podcast or whatever and like but doing that from a place of i deserve it and i can do it and even if I don't do it, I know I'm a good person and I'll figure it out is so much better because so many times, and this is the most important thing that I've figured out so many times when we get depressed, it's not about the thing that's happening. So let's say you get fired. That's a shitty thing that happened. But then in your brain, what happens is you go, well, I got fired because I'm garbage and I get fired. Maybe I shouldn't have even been at that job. And what's my wife going to think of me? And now you're thinking the worst case scenario. You know what she's going to think of you? She's going to support you. But you're thinking like, I don't even deserve her, right? And then you start projecting stuff on her um, because she goes, hey, can you cook dinner tonight? Why? Because I'm a fucking jobless piece of shit. No, because I just wanted you to cook dinner, right? Um, And all this stuff starts spiraling in your head. When in reality, all you have to do is go, this is a very bad thing that happened to me. I'm going to be upset about it for a little bit. Then I'm going to take some deep breaths and I'm going to figure out how to get a new fucking job, how to get a better job, what I actually should have been doing this whole time. What are the mistakes I made to get fired or how did I let it get this far when I was at a job I hated? And then you fix the problem instead of, but where that sinking depression comes from is everything we add to an already shitty situation, um, but about ourselves and in our head. Okay. I would love to talk about MMA now. (laughs) No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for saying that. It's so true. And I actually, I did Jay Moore's podcast last week yeah and he's, i want to do that man. and he's uh he's coaching high school wrestling now. yeah and he said he's the happiest he's ever been in his life well i feel like stepping away from all that stuff and teaching jujitsu uh really helped me because for the longest time when i was in the social justice warrior thing whatever i told myself i was helping people because i was tweeting black lives matter or whatever but in reality i was doing that for myself for validation to uh to get retweets i didn't think i was I w- it wasn't like a nefarious plot but it was like a very subconscious thing um, where I would tweet something that I thought was powerful. But then instead of going to do something or joining the Black Lives Rally March or Black Lives Matter March, I would just refresh Twitter to see what celebrity liked it. And, you know, uh, I said this to you the other day, like I was the kind of person that like if my mom called, I'd be like, tell her I can't talk. I'm tweeting about feminism. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, go help your mom who's a woman. And so teaching is actually like I'm like, oh, shit. Is this the first time I've actually like some kid came in the other day and he was too scared to go on the mats and I held his hand through the entire class and like he signed up and the next week he was like 
sparring. That's that's how um, I, that's how I get when I when I coach wrestling. It's yeah, and nothing better than like having a kid cry who comes in crying five times in the first day of practice. Yeah, and then by the end he's a champion, dude. You know? And then they come in and then he's suddenly seeing you crying because you're so happy and you're like, shut up, shut that's up. That's what Just, happened. Yeah, that, really? that that really would happen. The kid, this kid cried every day, and then my wife looked at me. She's like, why are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you don't understand. This kid cries every day in practice, and I, I'm so proud of him. He was a kid who was like chubby and wearing a Pokemon shirt under his sink. Yeah, that's oh, how yeah, chubby yeah, yeah. he was, and he I, was started to kick some ass. I have a kid who wears like a fucking polo shirt to jujitsu, like with like the buttons and stuff. It's oh, so funny. Oh, I was so proud of him. Now, okay, so you st- now, how did you start? Have you competed per- like professionally as far as? No, like- no, no, no. I had like smoker fights um, uh, in Muay Thai. How'd you where do? Where I like Phil Nurse did really well. Um, although I remember the first thing I did. I was so nervous. The first thing I did uh, ever in a ring was threw a head kick, immediately fell down. But then again, I have that grit mentality where instead of being like, just do good, I was like, I have to make him fall down now. He has to do the exact same thing I did. So I literally just like threw a fake and then body locked him and threw him. And Phil Nurse is a legend in New York. Phil Nurse is a legend. Yeah. I mean, he trained GSP and so you, so you had a couple smokers? Yep. Um, those went really, really well. And then um, at... Blue belt, um, I was like consistent second. Um, the, I, I got second in the war uh, at the world championship, second at Pan Am, second at Nogi Worlds. Where, no, where, um, where, where, where were these worlds? Long Beach or Vegas? Yeah, so I would plan. This is when I was still making a living doing comedy. I would book my shows around jujitsu competition. So I would wait, cut to perform at the UCB essentially um, because. And I'm still trying to figure this out in my life, man, where like comedy is my path to success. And when I don't create things, when I'm not making stuff, I'm really depressed, but I am the happiest. Um, Like my buddy, um, my buddy Flash is fighting at UFC uh, Russia and I went in to help him train and we did like hard sparring. And it was the first time in a while I've actually gone hard with like a UFC guy. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm like really good and he's really good too but i left there feeling better than if i uh left like a stand-up show that i went well so i'm trying to figure out how do i do both in my life why does jujitsu make me happier but making a living at comedy makes me happier maybe it's because there's more freedom i have no fucking idea um but maybe it's also because it's so pure that's why i love wrestling was like if i won the match I was the best right whereas in comedy I could have the best on the showcase but if I'm not managed by a certain person there's no producer involved oh not even that not even that far Uh, I had uh, you know my ex-wife and I don't talk but uh, credit where credit's due she used to it was so funny we would be at shows and I'd be like signing merch afterwards and someone would come up to me and they'd be like hey man that show was so great like blah 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 and I would just be like ah yeah but that like new joke in like the middle like didn't work and like Allie would just run and be like he means thank you he means thank you <laughs> and she like would turn me around and she's like I am watching the joy leave their eyes as you are horrifying them <laughs> with like that's <laughs> so true which is this fucking terrible negative they just wanted to tell the person they like that they liked yeah. them and you're telling them why they're wrong um, well, I did that with fire with wrestling too my dad left me in Maine one time because yeah. I beat a kid 15 to 6 and didn't pin him and I was crying <laughs> and my dad like and I walked like three hours across a lake with him that morning and didn't we had a a family like FLC learning center thing. Yeah. And he's like, 
I can't help you. My dad just took off. He's oh. like, I can't help you. Holy shit! But that's how that's how we are that's with comedy. Yeah. Comedy is like if if a new joke doesn't work, but your whole set's great. Yeah. Like the fucking you well, know? and also like with fighting, like um, for the longest time, I'm gonna say this without trying to sound like uh, I'm a total like conservative men's rightsy guy now, but masculinity was really. And look, I mean, I, I'm friends with some of the best female fighters in the world, so I'm not saying fighting is a masculine thing, but, like, bear with me. Um, I'm so used to progressive shows, by the way, that I have to give, like, an hour of disclaimers uh. before I say the thing I want to say. Um, but uh, masculinity is something that was really, like, kind of beaten down in my world. Like, progressive guys would say that UFC was human cockfighting, like those cocks, like like the roosters, like, signed contracts and had fight camps and... Uh, mm. Uh, I talked about this on Rogan about how I helped that kid. Like his doctor said he was going to die, and I helped him lose a hundred pounds. Oh yeah, and then pounds. people started getting mad at you. They said that by reading his success story. So I didn't even. But say, your wife was a big feminist, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. I found this kid at jiu-jitsu school. I sent him to Tim's Briggs School in, in Maryland. He wrote in and was like, I lost all this weight. I'm doing a white belt uh, competition. My doctor said he's never seen such a quick turnaround. Because I, I personally wrote him. Um, I probably didn't answer him on the show. I probably gave a bunch of dumb prefaces about fat shaming. But I wrote him and I found him a school and I like sent hand-typed recipes out to him. And, uh, and I'm crying on the air. And I'm like, oh, my God. This show, which I don't even think likes me anymore, uh, that I'm doing with my wife, who I don't even think likes me anymore, in this like city that makes me miserable, like it's worth it. I'm saving people's lives. And the next day, we got like a bunch of emails being like, "By reading his story, you're fat shaming us." And it's like, "You pieces of shit." At what point you, you say would fuck rather off? him die? Yeah. Right. But I, I and I say this now, I can go. You'd rather him fucking die than you show some goddamn willpower. And I've struggled with eating issues before. Um, but Jesus Christ, I would never be like. So I want other people to be unhealthy. I'm gonna deal with my shit. And but what I did say was, oh, "I'm sorry if I offended anybody." Um, and so. So what's great about surrounding myself with jujitsu people instead of just like self-hating progressives is it's the first time that like, yeah, I can train and be like, God, I feel like a fucking man. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could like protect my fucking family and I feel like I like I want to be like a provider and I want to have these these good qualities that are known um, that, that 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 are more like, quote unquote, bro-y qualities or whatever. And it really helped me. And not only that, but being around athletes, they want to be positive. Yeah. You go around comics or journalists and you're like, hey, man, how's it going? And you just get a list it's a of negativity. horrible I mean, shit. The comedy and the problem that, that I've always had is that negativity could be really funny. Uh, so funny. When you shit on someone and like... Or yourself. Or yourself. But if someone's like, hey, did you fucking did you hear about what's the name? Book that. It's about time. That you're like, And you just sh- completely... Everyone's laughing. Yep. And, you get, and then you yeah. get the validation <laughs> for being yeah. the biggest asshole. Right. As opposed to just spending all day training fucking hard, eating well, writing jokes killing on stage and it's like there's your validation there's your validation without shitting all over people i know i i had such a hard time with that especially in new york where it's like dude new york well that's new york in general everyone's miserable oh my shitty apartment the shitty weather the shitty subway you know where it's like again you get credit by how miserable you are is like how cool you are hello john dotson how are you 
Doing good, man. How are you? Good. You're on the MA Roasted Podcast. It's me and Jamie Kilstein. We were literally just talking about negative people and how negative people like can infect you and how miserable people are in like New York and stuff. And then suddenly I heard your little voice just go, hello. And I was like, yes, oh, positivity. He- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, how I'm are- always glad I can brighten up your day. No worries, man. By the way, thanks for doing that sketch to Black Kitten. Everyone loved it. It, it was a big hit. So good. So thank you. Oh, man. Yes. I figured you had Rashad, who was a bigger hit than mine. No. Rashad and slow jam of MMA. That was good. That was good. And, you know, hey, listen, man. It's, it's all... It's not, it, look, the people that liked it were... I saw Donald Cerrone liked it, and I saw What's-Your-Name liked it, the karate hottie. So the right people liked it, you know? So that's, yeah. uh, that's all that matters. Everybody's cracking up about it. So now you got a fight coming up against Jimmy Rivera. Yes, I do. Uh, when is that fight? So, it is September 8th on that UFC 228. Tyron Woods versus Darren Till. And then also, you really don't care about that. It's me versus Jimmy Rivera. <laughs> now, now uh, Jimmy Rivera was on a 19-fight win streak before he ran into Marlon Morass, who just took him out quickly. Uh, but it's hard to sometimes, tra- like, like, it doesn't necessarily, anyone can get caught and caught quick. So are you watching yeah. his are you watching his 19 wins are you going through it versus like watching that one time where he kind of lost? Yeah, I'm watching every single time that he's been in the UFC. Even the few fights that aren't on this UFC record and before he got into the UFC, I've seen the tendencies and habits of what he likes to do and pretty much he wants to go out with a way to glory. Yeah, no, he loves to fight. He loves to throw down. Loves to throw down. Do you spend a lot of time thinking about um, other guys' games? What's that? Other than me tickling him? No, yeah. No, but do you spend like a lot of time like obsessing about other guys' games? Like we were talking about, I came up uh, under Marcelo Garcia with jiu-jitsu. And like he used to just put all of his content and moves out online. And when people were like, uh, aren't you afraid that... Uh, people are going to see your moves or know what you're going to do. He's like, no, I'm just going to do it better uh, and still get them with the move they know is coming. Like, do you focus a lot on your game or because you come from like such a strategic camp, uh, do you look a lot at what your opponent's going to do? Nah, I will solely look about what I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. Just because of the fact if I'm worried about what he's going to do, it makes absolutely no sense. Now you're less. I'm constantly being worried about it. It's going to hurt. Now, right. your, your last three fights, you've got kicked in the nuts at least eight times. Uh, <laughs> I was there for a couple times. People just love kicking you in the balls. I think they, they want to see if, if it's a big, huge black cock because you're kind of short and uh, you, you're kind of throwing people off. Um, what are you going to do this time to prepare for the not nut shot? Get in a bigger cup. Yeah. Are you, are you doing like warm-up drills like where you'll go on the, uh, like on the cage and you just have your teammates kick you in the balls? <laughs> Like repeatedly you know, over and over again, like a training have, montage. Who's from uh, India? He's like an Indian stuntman, and all he does is take nut shots. So I, was take, I asked him for advice. He's been getting hit with sledgehammers, there, and his balls ran over. There we he's go. Kicked the nuts repeatedly. I'm asking him for help, and he decided to train me and taking the nut shots and absorbing it well. Nice. nice. I, I want that to be your guys' next video, just like like an '80s martial arts movie training montage of just Dodson being hit in the nuts and trying to like harness his chi so that his nuts can survive. Yeah. You ever see the Arlovsky video when he kicks Dodson 
Yes. Uh, and he goes 90 feet in the air. That was fucking one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Dude, that camp seems great. Uh, now, yeah, just think about that just for my soul and my balls. <laughs> <laughs> now, John, you are the only guy to knock out TJ Dillashaw. Uh, now, did you were you surprised by Dillashaw versus Garbrandt too? You know what? I really was because I thought Garbrandt was going to come back and just knock him out make it a nice trilogy that they're going to have, and then I was going to strip the title from one of them. Yeah. But then Garbrandt just got knocked out, and I was like, why did you want this this automatic rematch if you were going to get knocked out so easy? Yeah. Do you get excited when you, like, when you see that, is there a part of you that gets frustrated where you're like, fuck, I knocked him out and he's the champion, or do you get excited where you're just like, well, goddamn, I know I can knock out the best in the world? Well, I'm excited the fact that he is the champion because that means I get to steal something from him yet again. Right. This gives me an opportunity to go ahead and steal his UFC title, just like I stole the Ultimate Fighter finale championship from him as well. Damn. Yeah. If I get up there and be able to go toe-to-toe with him, I would love to see how well he's gotten better. And seeing if his chin is well, got looser, I know I'm going to touch him and he's going to go to sleep. Now, uh, were you surprised by the Cejudo versus... Uh... Uh, DJ fight? Yeah, I was surprised because I was at a concert. I was G- at GZ. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie to you. That was <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to at all. And then all of a sudden, DJ lost and my phone was blowing up and everyone was calling me saying, hey, you need to go get that title. I was like, what title? Whoa. I'm at 35. And they're like, no, DJ just lost and you, uh, Henderson, who beat him. I have to start laughing immediately. Well, I mean, I know <laughs> he didn't. Y'all are lying. Now, are you still walking around at like a 170? Uh, kind of. I'm like 163, 165-ish. Whoa. Yeah, you got to stop. Bro, you got to stop looking like Oprah. I mean, come on, man. Like, well, look, no, no, no. I'm not looking like Oprah. I'm looking like Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Rock. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But seriously, bro. I mean, you could. But how hard is it for you to make 125? Uh, I couldn't make it. If I really want to, but my kidneys will suffer yeah, in the process of it. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so how's, yeah. how's the like, uh, adorable wife and the uh, two kids? Well, the missus is good. She's sitting there tired. She wants to go shopping because she wants a new foundation. So I was like, yes, baby, we'll hit the ball. We'll get you that because somebody has to be better looking than me and they can't beat the kids. <laughs> right, 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 right. Of course, of course. Uh, and then, um, now what's going on with Donald Cerrone? I heard he's not being trained anymore by Jackson Winklejohn. No, he's still being trained by us. Okay, because it seemed like there's there was some kind of something happened where like they canceled Rogan and Cerrone's like karma's a bitch or Rogan canceled on them. Is, is there any kind of shit going down? You know, uh, between them, they all got their own issues. They're a bunch of little kids crying for no reason. So their, their issue is going to be their issue. And if you want to talk to them about that, you can talk to them. Uh, oh, okay. Dude, I always thought that, like, every industry I've been in, like comedy, music, you always think, like, I finally found the one where there's not going to be ego or politics or drama. And I'm like, certainly fighting. Fighting will be fine. It's the same shit. Well, that's the thing. Is who's Because Cerrone's fighting Mike Perry. And Mike Perry's now with you guys, right? Well, yeah. He's with us, and they're just making sure that they're trying to draw lines on who's coaching who and who's in the corner or what. But people's, everybody's feelings are getting hurt, so uh, I was just leaving it alone. 
Well, I would assume that the elite, first of all, I like Cerrone a billion times better than Mike Perry. I think Mike Perry is entertaining, but I like no Cerrone. But I would assume their allegiance should be with Donald Cerrone over Mike Perry just because he's been there and he helped, you know, establish that place. Oh, yeah. Like, push come to shove, no matter what, I'm 100% cowboy. Okay. Donald Cerrone is my dude. No matter what people say, how anything goes down. If he decides to go somewhere else, or if he wants to go train at the gym and see everybody that's at, uh, at the gym and be beating up Perry, I mean, all power, more power to it. Yeah, yeah. Cowboy's gonna do his thing, and he knows how to be successful. And he knows how to be a winner. And Perry's gonna come out there and just try to pick some people's brains so that they can get a victory. Well, I'll tell you, Which, Perry. Perry looked the best he ever did. Perry's looked amazing last time. Now, what's going on with John Jones? John Jones, I haven't seen him. Oh, <laughs> he's been coming in the gym once, like here and there, but he's in the heavyweight class. Oh, okay. So he's been coming. He's been training here and there, and I've been seeing him coming at nighttime. But he's literally been training with nothing but heavyweights, so that he can prepare for. It looks like him coming back, but other and, than that, I haven't talked to him. And the uh, karate hottie is fighting Felice Herrig. Uh, That's really soon. I think it's got, it's got to be the hottest uh, fight ever. Are you going to be training the karate hottie for that fight? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, John, you need to walk forward and throw nothing but bombs. We're like, done. <laughs> really? <laughs> Wait, does she, trash, yeah. does she trash talk you in the gym? No, she told me that I need to throw nothing but bombs. Just throw enough but haymakers at her. And I was like, okay, I can definitely do that. Dude, she's such so a badass. I need somebody to, to pressure me and throw nothing but haymakers. Dude, I can do that. Dude, but you've, knocked out, but you've knocked out the UFC champion with bombs. Why would you do that? You're not really going to do that against the karate hottie. Are you? What are you talking about? Yeah, why not? She's going to learn, too. <laughs> She's going <laughs> All right. Look, if I don't drop her, I know Felice won't drop her. All right? Uh, yeah. She'll be the best teammate she ever had. That's a great point. If she can make it through that, then, like, she has nothing to worry about in the fight. So it just came, yeah, out, that, it just came out that Clay Guida is, uh, oh, he's not pressing charges against Nate Diaz. That's good. Wait, what like, the fuck happened? I, don't, I got into some fight at some event. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. He, they got a, they got a fight at, at like some like small time MMA event up in like Northern California. Oh, I assumed it was gonna be like a fish concert or something. Yeah, I'm like something. How All do right. two stoner seeming guys get into a fucking tacos? street fight? Yeah, uh, it was over a something, a taco probably. All right, so tomorrow night, Justin Gaethje, James Vick. Who, who do we like? Vick. Damn. Ooh, All right. Um, dude, I just go with, uh, whoever I like. I'm so bad at calling fights. I'm like, I go with whoever what? seems nicer. Yeah. I'm re- like, I, I, if I put money, I had, I was one of the only people in the first Rose Joanna fight. I had Rose, no doubt. And they were like, stylistically, how does she do it? I'm like, I don't know, man. She's just a fucking good person. Like I got her. You're going on good people. I go on good people. Oh, come on. I'm going Gaethje. That's really? Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, why is Gaethje a good person? Gaethje? Yeah, I go Gaethje. Why is he a good person? I, I don't know. I just like him. I saw him crying when Rose won. He uh, seems cool. He, I, I like his style. Uh, I, I that's why I'm. I would never be a good analyst. Like, dude, if it's, you know, I, I don't know shit about uh, the Super Bowl. So, like, literally, whenever the Super Bowl happens, I'm like, which team, which owner said the least racist shit this year, or like, who's the, <laughs> and, and then I root for them, like solely on them. Uh, that's that's Look. hilarious. The reason I'm picking the Vic is because of the fact that he has that longer reach, and not only that, he can keep him at the end of the distance. Gaethje has like this dynamic strike and ability to push forward and press and make that pressure, but it's kind of hard to pressure somebody when it's possible and backwards 
and just sticking something in your face. And we've already seen that he has a loose chin, and if somebody goes toe-to-toe with him and want to go to war, he's going to lose every time. See, yeah. that's the logical answer. That's that's true, though. I, and I think his chin's getting worse and worse every fight. I hate to say it, but it seems like in the WSOF, his chin was... He's taking punches now. Yeah. But you take a lot of punches, too, and you start laughing. Well, the, in my weight class, they, they feel like pillows punching my face, so it's not uh-huh. really hard punches. <laughs> when I was fighting at 25, they weren't that hard. Jamie, have you ever been knocked out? Um, I've been put to sleep a bunch, but I've never been knocked out. Well, in, in, in training? In jiu-jitsu, I've been put to sleep. From just not, not tapping? Just from being a douchebag. I remember when I first got my purple belt, we were doing a drill where, like, uh, uh, at Marcelo's, where, like, uh, someone would start with a bow and arrow choke, like, pretty much already sunk in. So you were designed to lose. And I went with a white belt, and I was like, I'm the cool purple belt now, so I'm going to let this get, like, really deep. Uh, and it turns out Homeboy was a judo black belt, uh, so he had the grip strength of, like, a ooh. monster. Ooh. And so suddenly, I just remember, I mean, when you go out in jiu-jitsu, it feels like the best power nap. You, like, wait, you're very confused, uh, and you're tingly, but then you wake up, and you feel like, like, I finished the round. Like, you can keep going, but yeah. Oh, that's I, not good. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've been put out a couple times. Dotson, what about you? Man, I ain't gonna lie to you. I was oh. teaching class one time, and I just got done teaching class, and this kid was running. Like, well, not with I can't call him a kid. He was like 22, but he was like running his mouth. He's like, "I'll beat you up," and I was like, "Ah, whatever." So I turned around, I started shaking hands with everybody, and then here he comes, he jumped on my back, and started sucking a rear naked choke. And I was like, "Oh, I was fighting it, fighting it, fighting it," and all the thing I woke up. Is that everybody's somebody's holding my feet, shaking it? Oh my god! Laying on my back, and I was like, "Oh, it's on!" So I grabbed that dude, I spun him around the room, and I choked him out, let him fail, like to start flying. Everywhere. Oh my god! Uh, well, of course, the guy cheap shot at you. I mean, that's a cheap rear naked choke. I mean, you weren't expecting it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I arm dragged him and I choked him out. And I was like, "No, this is not going to happen." <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, do you, do you still teach often? Uh, I help out with a, with a variety of amateurs and pro fighters. But I don't teach classes anymore, so it's really, like I'm kind of holding off until I actually get done fighting and then go out and teach the real world how to go be awesome. Yeah, word. Is that what you, Do you want to open up your own gym? Yeah, I want to open up my own gym. I actually have a, like a clothing company right now called Ninja Brain Inc. where I'm trying to help out uh, some mixed martial artists and not only that, some parkour athletes. People uh. that want to join in and anything they want to do, they go out there and they need somebody at the back. Well, I need somebody to have their back, and I want to be that guy for them. That's awesome. They're Why do you keep it for me, and I want to be able to help them, the rest of the people out. That is so the that... guys from Top Out. I'm trying to send out their message and love just throughout my own way. Yeah, but why do you keep losing on Ninja Warrior? You know what? I've been training. I ain't going to lie. I'm going to come back, and I'm going stronger. I've been doing a 14-foot wall with a 40-pound weight vest. Oh, my God. Dude, I, I, I want to ask you more about you, but I'm such a, and I hate asking you about other people, but what is, is Greg Jackson, I remember I had some text exchange with Greg Jackson, and even on text, the dude seems so fucking wise, and like, that I just started asking him, like, from out of nowhere, we were going to podcast or something, I was just like, what books do you read? I started asking him, like, weird fucking questions, because I just want to, like, get into that dude's brain, um... What have you, like, I would go to that guy with, like, relationship advice. He just seems like a fucking wizard. Um, what have you gotten out of him? What's that like? Like, do you talk to him about life shit, just fight stuff? No, me and him actually sit there and talk about pretty much nonsense. 
me and Greg can sit there and have a conversation about how the wind is hitting our face. And it's like <laughs> the most interesting talk ever. I mean, no, no, no. It came out this kind of angle, and it felt like a little warm breeze. Well, you know when it feels like it's tickling your nose and your senses? That's what it feels like. It felt like love just came through the whole atmosphere and decided to wash it all away with a de- devastating divorce. So he's like, like a so he's like a walking he's like a walking psychedelic. Yeah, like Greg is just like so smart, and he can go ahead and bring out different things from different areas of the aspects of life that you can relate to. I remember the first time I met so him. In a, yeah. Yeah, anything that you guys could possibly think of, he can always help you out. That's so uh, yeah. That 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 was the vibe I got just from texting. Yeah. The first time I met him, I asked him like Clay Guida just joined the gym. I go, "How's Clay doing?" He goes, "I can't believe how far he's come with the uh, little amount he knows about technique." <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, it, but he wasn't like insulting sh- him. No, no, I'm, I'm sure it was like almost complimentary. Yeah, and then I asked him about John Jones. I go, he goes, he goes, John Jones. He said most people, when you talk to them, there's like a you know, forty percent gets through or fifty percent gets through. Yeah. He goes, one hundred percent of what you teach him the first time, he will absorb. Wow. He goes, he has absolutely no resistance to what you're telling him. And I was like, wow, that's fucking, that's pretty crazy. Interesting. This is old John Jones. This is yeah, like yeah. Stephen Bonner, you know, John Jones. Um, yeah. So, you know, John Jones obviously has taken, uh, had his ups and downs. So, Andre Feely and Michael Johnson, who do we like in this fight? Ooh. I like Michael Johnson because he has that raw power, but it's, his showings at 145 is kind of hard. I don't know if it's because of the weight cut, I don't know if he has proper nutrition. I would love to see him being more of a dynamic striker than he was at 155 and terrorized the 145 division. If he does have that nutrition and value and his body is well-conditioned for it, I can guarantee you he's going to go out there and demolish touchy-feely. Mm. His, his fight IQ, though, sometimes I'm just like, ugh. Like, he, he wins every fight until he loses. I, I, I don't like shitting on camps um, or fighters at all. Um, but isn't... Aren't there a bunch of guys from that camp? Black that, yeah, like one Rashad and like that kind of like um, where they started to almost go downhill. I don't know if it's like a, a, a training thing because their trainers seem incredible. Eddie like, Alvarez. Yeah, and, uh, yeah uh, but like they're and, and maybe I'm wrong, but just from like the glances where it, it seems like a lot of them did kind of like dip uh, when, when they when they started training there. Like same with Rockhold, right? I think Rockhold started losing when he went down there. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't figure out what it is because they're all so talented, including the trainers. Dotson, thoughts? Well, uh, honestly, every great team has their ups and downs. Right. So even like our team, like we we had a phenomenal run where we had Netflix champions killing everybody and everybody was just getting destroyed. And now we're having like this slump last year where we won so many uh, so many fights that everyone wanted to brought up all of our losses immediately. So it's, that can be said it's the same thing for them. Like they just probably having a rough patch there probably got set in their ways of winning that they didn't want to change and then they forgot to evolve with the rest of the time that's a really that what they were doing was perfect that's a really good point we, we were kind of talking about this yesterday when we were interviewing some other guys where what do you think makes the difference between the the sort of undefeated whether it's a single fighter whether whether it's a fucking comedian with a bad show whether it's a team like you were just talking about where after having such a win streak they get knocked out like uh, a Ronda Rousey or like when Nate choked out Connor. What's the difference between someone who 
comes back um, almost stronger and still believing they're the best and still believing that they're untouchable or when you see them kind of just fucking derail and go the opposite route after uh, 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 tasting defeat for the first time? At all, honestly, I 100% guarantee it's all on ego. Yeah. If you can't sit there and let go of your pride and let go of your ego and solve what you did wrong and evolve after that, then you're never going to push forward. You can't be the same type of person that you were yesterday. I mean, that's like saying that you're the same person you were 10 years ago. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Sometimes, like, So you always yeah. want to be always evolving and being the better version of yourself every single day. So even if you lost one time, you want to go ahead and figure out what you did wrong, become better, and then start crushing everybody again. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you lost a, a couple fights right off the bat, right? When you first became a uh, pro fighter, and then you went on that massive yeah. streak. I mean, you you were killing people. You were killing everybody, knocking people out. Um, Courtney, K- Courtney Casey, Angela Hill. I like Angela in this fight. Do you? Yeah, yeah Courtney. I like Courtney Casey. Tell you the truth. That's because you like white chicks. Um, <laughs> come on. You don't like white chicks. <laughs> Like, I like Angela. She always has a very diverse striking. But the thing with Courtney is that she pushes forward, and Angela has a hard time with that. The last time she had someone that pushed forward on her, she kept on. She lost the pace of the fight, and then she got overtaken pretty yep. easily. But that was against, what's her name, who's a fucking monster, that little Vanderlei Silva girl. Uh, what's her name? Yeah, that little... That Brazilian chick? Yeah, I don't oh my name, God. But I know about. Yeah, that girl is insane. Once again, hearing Dodson's like very technical analysis, I was like, I have Angela Hill because she follows me on Twitter. <laughs> she came to. <laughs> well, minor if they came to my comedy show or not. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. But I can't even bet against. If I, I can't bet against friends, as it's the worst. I can't. Because oh. I, I, I feel like such a dick if I see them and they win. Angela also has that fucking drive because she hasn't. She wasn't getting booked. Like her popularity was going up in her whole Twitter campaign about yeah. not getting booked. I think she has something to fucking prove too. And she she also came from nothing. She came from like a strictly Muay Thai background. When she went to Ultimate Fighter, she was right, out, living in the basement of her gym with her husband. And then when she got some real training, she, she went from zero to a hundred. A lot yeah. of times, people they're all American wrestlers, blah, 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 by the time they get there, they don't evolve that much because they're already peaked out. Right. Whereas even like a Mike yeah. Perry, Mike Perry, I felt like. He had his girlfriend training him. And, you know, you go from your girlfriend to Greg Jackson, right. uh, that's, that's, a, that's a big leap. Right. Uh, I mean, I'd rather fuck his girlfriend, but, but uh, you know, than Greg But Jackson. again, Greg Jackson's so wise. I bet it'd be great in bed. What do you, what do you think? Hello? Yo. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. I was letting you guys talk. I was just like, <laughs> All right. thing I'm possibly All right. saying right now. Uh, Warley like, off. I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. So John Morago is fighting Division... Figuerdo, you fought Moraga, right? Yeah. Now, how hard does that guy punch? Fought him twice, and both times me and him had an interesting conversation during the fight about me getting hit by him. I told him I didn't want to get hit by him again, so I'm going to keep on hitting him. (laughs) (laughs) You told him that during the fight? Yeah, the first time we fought. So, me and him fought in the Dominican Republic a long time ago, and we literally went out there... The weight class was all weird, and our first round was pride rolls. It was 10 minutes. And then the next round was 12 minutes, and then our last round was 7 minutes. And we're like, these guys are idiots. <laughs> but we kept on like having an inner monologue, talk, and then basically talking to each other, saying, hey, uh, does this round seem long to you? Because <laughs> I think five minutes is up. 
Oh my! And he was like, yeah. And he was, so we took a step back. We looked at the ref, and the ref looked at us. So we went back to go start fighting again. That's how our first round was. Holy shit! But then that second round, we were the second round. We started going out the exact same pace. We kept on going, guns blazing, throwing hard punches. And I was like, Ooh. I was like, I don't want to get hit by you. Again. I'm gonna hit you before you can hit me. And he started laughing. Like, that's not a joke, man. Dude. <laughs> That's so. That's like in a like when you're in fucking jujitsu class and like the coach steps out and forgets to say like switch top and bottom and you all kind of like look at each other like the round's over right but in a real fucking fight. That's crazy. Yeah. That, now, 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 then, now, John, you're a uh, you're a uh, black belt in jujitsu. Yes. And who did you get your black belt under? Greg Jackson. Oh, and well, I wanted to sit there and tell me that I'm awesome at it, and so he wanted to give me one too. So, but yeah. Now what? Now who did Greg get his black belt under? I have no idea, <laughs> dude. Everything's Y'all a mystery. Wrong people here. <laughs> Greg, Greg Jackson got his like you know Greg ja- I'll tell you where Greg Jackson got his black belt Greg Jackson got his black belt like 30 years ago in the middle of a DMT trip in like a Himalayan mountain from like a fucking angel shaman is my I mean I I don't care where he got his black belt from like the so dude is such a fucking it's so wizard interesting that he like never fought no 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 I'm saying that in a complimentary way No so am I but it's crazy how the guy never fought uh I don't even know what his martial art background is. I have no is, idea. But he's a complete wizard at this. Well, John Danaher is the same way. John Danaher is like, he used to fight in bars. He was a bouncer. Yeah. Right? And like, he would like fuck what people up. What is the ultimate troll? Like, he actually doesn't know anything. And he, and he just started this thing and everybody's like. He just gets great athletes. He's yeah. like, uh, I don't know. What would you do here? <laughs> that would be pretty funny. But Become that's not, a black belt. Yeah. Exactly. Become a fucking black belt. <laughs> so do you, do you think a win over Rivera gets you a title shot? No, my mouth will. Okay. So you're going to be like talking shit and calling people out after this win. You know what? I Honestly, I just want to fight as many people as possible so I can go ahead and get a title. Yeah. Everybody is frustrating me because they claim that they want to be the baddest dudes on the planet, but they don't want to fight the baddest dudes on the planet. And that's me. Not TJ. They just want to take his title. They get afraid of me and then they're like, ah, oh. they hear my name and it's like, oh, crap. Look at Jimmy. He didn't want to fight me. The UFC forced him to fight me and now he's like, uh, crud. I gotta go against the little hard-hitting dude who's fast and who's knocked out T.J. Dillashaw. <laughs> That's true, man. That's I mean, a really good point. I honestly feel like if they threw you in a, against uh, Cormier, that you would fight Cormier. I, I don't think there's anybody. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, Can I be the heavyweight champion. I don't think I don't <laughs> think there's anybody you wouldn't fight for real. Like I, I don't know if it's balls or you're just insane or or what it is, but you just you're, you're fearless, man. There's nothing that scares you. No, because I think it's awesome. Tell you the truth, fighting for me is hilarious. Think about it. You can go punch somebody in the face and not get arrested. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just crazy. It's what every, like, we were talking about this before we called you. It's what every, like, teenager dreams of. We yeah. all grow up watching martial arts right. movies uh, and, like, wanting to be a fucking ninja, and you get to do it. But you were also Chucky and Chuck E. Cheese before fighting. He, he had dressed up as Chucky. Yeah. So, and then actually, hey. he was like, what happened was, he was a, I think he was a state champion, a wrestler in Albuquerque. Yeah. And he was dressing, and he was doing Chucky, doing backflips in front of the Chuck E. Cheese place. Oh, my God. And they needed, a, they were like, we needed a training partner for a couple, for a couple of small guys. Oh, my God. Hey, do you remember that guy who's, who's like Chucky now? And they went over to him and then recruited him out of Chuck E. Cheese. Dude, that is like a really weird karate kid. That is like a movie. <laughs> Right? Isn't that kind of what happened? 
Are we making a movie? <laughs> we should do it. That yeah. was Kino and Ninja Turtles 2. He was a pizza delivery boy. And like he had that badass fight. Dude, that's amazing. I, yes. I never knew that. Yeah, no, that's 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 I will how be got... Ernie Reyes Jr. in that movie. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, someone I fucking trained just told me that Ernie Reyes uh, that, that he like still trains. He's like an actual MMA trainer. Like he trains people. Oh, really? ca- Dude, apparently he's an actual MMA trainer. I gotta find him on Instagram. And he trains people, and I was like, I don't care. If I can train under Kino and Surf Ninjas, uh, I was like, yes. I will drive to anywhere in California to fucking do. I freaked the fuck out. You know what? I feel bad for him though because of the fact that no matter who he sees, and if they're in our generation, they're gonna go up to him and be like, "Kwasu, dude." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So, uh, so where is this fight? Woodley Till. Um, UFC, where where is this? Oh, it is in Dallas, UFC 228. I'm going to go out there and punch somebody in the face, and you guys are going to watch. Hell yeah. And after that, they're going to give me somebody else that I can beat up, and then from there, I'm going to go get something that belongs to me. Well, th- the title. Love it. Well, Dotson, thank you so much, man. Have a great weekend. It was good talking to you, man. Oh, no no problem, man. Thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be on there with you guys. Any, anytime. <laughs> just the love. Of course. You got nothing but love here. Take care, brother. All right, that was John Dotson. I like that. I feel I feel so bad sometimes because like I don't get to do your show a lot, right? And uh, and so when I get to talk to these fighters, I'm so excited. So I have like the nerdiest questions. No, I like. Are you I, oh, good. Because I feel so bad where I'm like define ego, and you're like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. No, one, so no, you're I'm big learning. black no, cock. I one hundred percent. I want to have. Are you into it? Oh, great. one million percent. I figured as a as a fighter, you, you would be. No, but like, oh man, like not that theme plays in my head all the time about that how do you balance like extreme confidence with with lack of ego right how do you get that like kanye confidence that connor confidence but also still stay humble and because again me and you our two worlds are wrestling fighting where you need to be extremely confident and comedy where before uh, dodson called we were talking about um comedy where you're almost revered for being miserable yeah and so it's really hard man i mean that was part of the reason when i texted you a while ago and i was like i don't think i want to do comedy is because i found myself i was so healthy when i was training every day and i was so positive and happy and then just doing comedy again you feel like it's almost a necessity to be like depressed or drinking or yeah all this I mean, stuff but and- also that's it's like a culture of like you see people at like the certain comedy clubs or they're out there Hanging out, yeah, not getting up, yeah. They're hanging out till two in the morning, three in the morning. Out in New York, I was four in the morning every <sighs> night, just shitting on every comic that was doing better than us, which is almost every comic. Yep. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a lot of time you have to spend. And and you're like, fuck that. And before you know it, and you're getting revered for it. You walk into a room, somebody's on stage, and they're like, oh, what's the said? You're like, oh, who'd he blow to fucking get here? Or right. Whatever. And everyone laughs. Yep. They go, oh, you know, because and. You're right. I turn into a different person when I'm talking. When when I was uh, with Flash yesterday, and we were just training and against the wall, we were literally all we were doing was complimenting each other. Who's Flash? Um, Terion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah, love yeah. that dude. He's the best, man. Well, so we yesterday, uh, I went into uh, help with jujitsu and like train with jujitsu with him, and uh, we've been Twitter buddies for a really long time, and we didn't know we fought for an hour straight. An hour straight. We went at one point. Uh, I had him up against the cage, 
quote unquote, like the wall. He busted out, and then we tackled each other all the way across the room to the other cage. Dude, his wrestling needs a little work. I, I, I love that guy. But he's working but, on it. Of course. Which is so great. No, I mean, dude, he... It doesn't need work. He like, got in on a double uh, with me against the wall, and like I had to fight really, really hard uh, to get out of it. But uh, what we were doing afterwards, you have two people who just... Who didn't? Oh, so we didn't know we knew each other. I, I was like, "Hey, what's your social?" And he's like, "Flash." I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Wait, are you Jamie Kilstein?" And we we're yeah, like, yeah. "What? We're friends." Yeah, no, Terry, me and Terry's been on the podcast a gang of times. Dude, he's great he's guy. So but good. I don't know wrestling works. He was he signed on to fight an all American wrestler. Yeah, I think it was Josh. I forgot. I forgot who it was. And uh, two days before, his trainer calls me and says, "Hey, do you have Bubba Jenkins' number? Who was like a, a national champion?" Yeah, like, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah. He goes, "Okay," because he's fighting him in two. I'm like. Two days, <laughs> like what? <laughs> like I'm like, uh, hey man, but he got into the UFC. I mean, that's yeah. He yeah. put on a performance, and then he, his, two out of his three fights have been fight of the nights. Yeah, I think he need. I I, I I feel like he needs to win on this one, but I also was watching the guy he's fighting. And I think he can win. 100%. He could win. His striking is insane. His striking, dude. I was asking him so many questions yesterday, but that's what I was saying. So you have these two guys who were just like fighting, right? And like. Whereas with comedy, you're what? Just on stage, like, telling jokes. So this was, like, heads against each other from wall to wall. At one point, I leapt on his back. He stands up. We are walking across the room, standing up as I'm trying to choke him. We never met each other before. An hour straight. Next round. Next round. Um, And fucking uh, best choke defense I've ever felt in my life. I fucking love that guy. Um, And then we're sitting against the wall. And in comedy, where you don't put as much on the line, like you said, the instinct is to you get laughs by shitting on people. Me and him are sitting against the wall with his coach Ian. I love Ian. He's so great, man. He's a comic. He's yeah. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's a great coach. I've been watching him coach. He's so good. And uh, and 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 me and him were just like, I'm like, dude, you're so good at this. And he's like, dude, you're so good at this. And I'm like, dude, you're so good at this. And. It's so interesting that the the thing that people assume where it's like fighting's just as like machismo, whatever, it actually really humbles you and it actually it, it, it has the power to um, regulate your ego at least if you use it properly. Of course, one thousand percent. Yeah, because you go there, you get the crappy. There, there's still nobody that I'm closer with in my life than my high school wrestling friends. Same with my brother. Because yeah, he was he was a wrestler. Because the shit is because when you when you get tortured for two hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the same people. Yeah, you find out what kind of people they are. Is it friendship or is it Stockholm syndrome? We will never know. Uh, now I got, I, but I, we got to get you. I know you got to get out of here. Uh, oh, yeah. But I do want to ask you also about Robin Williams. Oh yeah. Now Robin was a wrestler as well, dude. I actually didn't know that. My dad sent me an article about that the other day. We never talked about it or anything. Now where did you meet Robin? So Robin, it's funny, man. I uh, I just had this. Uh, I just had this girl, Jessa Reed. Have you heard of her on my podcast? She did Burt Kreischer's podcast and Ari Shafir's show and kind of blew up. Um, and she's amazing. And she was like a meth addict, um, like married at 16. All this like has the crazy story. Her story on Ari Shafir's show was about drinking meth piss to get high. Oh, yeah. People. <laughs> yeah. So that's Jessa. Right. And now she has the mentality of a fighter. It's funny. She actually has gotten into UFC recently, too. But she has that just like, no one's going to tell me what I can and can't do, essentially, right? Uh, or lock on lost. And um, it's really inspiring and really badass. And the reason I've, I've been asking Dodson and all these people about how you come back from adversity and losses is because that's what I'm going through right now. And 
and and the, but but the times I've I really have like set my mind on something and I'm like this is gonna happen like I can make it happen it's just having the confidence to get there right so like um I heard Robin was in San Francisco and I was headlining the punchline and I was like I'm gonna get him to my show nothing I just had a feeling in my gut I had no our comedy is wildly different nothing led me to believe that he would like I just like and I did not stop making phone calls until I got to someone who knew Rick Overton who he was with um and Rick was like a fan of mine and we became kind of buddies I think in like Scotland or so I forget where I met Rick he's again like Greg Jackson just like appears yeah and um and so he came to my show and he like very quiet he came backstage and I'll never forget it because we just immediately clicked and both like could not stop talking and we're like interrupting each other and like touching each other's shoulders and getting so into it but he was whispering so he had the same um like frenetic energy that people know uh about robin but it, it was hushed and humble and he listened as well and dude like i can picture it so clearly where even though the punchline you can't really see the tables like towards the back and i knew exactly where he was because he was laughing the hardest wow. out of anyone it was booming and i remember just putting on like the show of my life yeah. where i'm like this show is for him the show is for him the show is for him so he gave me his like info and was like literally tell me anything you need and you know people don't know this but he paid for my podcast for like a year um because my ex and i was we got married we weren't religious or fucking even like really like a romantic couple, but uh, we were finally making a living as artists. So we're like, let's get married to celebrate, you know, and we got married. And then this podcast network we were at wanted us to start selling ads. And, and my show never had advertisers. Um, and we had this decision to make. We're like, do we start from scratch again? We just got married. We finally have our own apartment. We don't have day jobs. And, uh, God, tell me stories about her. It's fucking hard, man, because we did do a lot of really cool shit together. And so I remember they wanted us to sponsor. They wanted AT&T to sponsor us. And it was right when we were covering the domestic wiretapping scandal, which was fucking AT&T. I forget if it was under Obama or Bush. So it's like, I was like, what the fuck do you want us to do? Like, if you want to be spied on, be spied on by the best, like AT&T. <laughs> like, it was so fucking insane. So we quit. Yeah. And Robin calls and he goes, what can we do? And I'm like, I don't know, man, if you need gigs, I just need to like replicate this. And he goes, how much were you making a month? And, you know, it was probably just like $3,000 a month, which at, at the time to us was like the most money we ever had. And so he paid our salary for a year. And, you know, on top of like he got me his agent and manager and all this stuff. But he literally his accountant wrote us a check every month and from Robin Williams and so we didn't have sponsors, but technically the show was, you know, Citizen Radio sponsored by Robin Williams. And uh, so when our book came out, it was dedicated to Robin. But the heartbreaking part about this was that it came out after he died. So it looked like we did it in memorial to him. Yeah. Which I mean, fine. But what's so crazy is, is like, no, 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 no. He helped us so much. And me, I used to call him about my depression and he would help me with my depression. Um... So we dedicated the book to him uh, before he died. 
because he had helped us more than anybody in our lives. And then the book came out, I feel like a month after he died and it was like to Robin and uh, yeah, people just assumed and it was like, no, like we did it before. Um, so it's been hard because he was one of the only reasons I didn't quit comedy and you know, I was he around after everyone got mad at you. No, oh, that was okay. no. So this is one of the things that fucked me over was when I went like total PC warrior and burned all my bridges with comics. Robin was the only comic I was still friends with, and the only reason I was really still in it. Um, and he was supporting you. Did he, yeah. Did he, did he tell you, hey man, you might wanna. No, he didn't give a shit because he knew my comedy and he knew who I was as a person. He, he does He's not on fucking Twitter. His assistant was yeah. right. So like, he just knows about who you are. You talk to anyone in that generation, you know, like when I, I mean, Kelly Carlin's on Twitter a lot, but like when I hang out with like Kelly Carlin or when I used to hang out with Robin or Moby. Uh, what's that? Moby. Yeah, Moby. Well, Moby's on Twitter all the time, but like they were like they don't fucking know about gossip and Twitter stuff. Like most people don't. Um, we feel like it's everybody and everybody knows and, you know, um, but it, it's, it's not. And so Robin was the reason I stayed in comedy. I mean, dude, there was one day where me and my ex went to the book of Mormon and she never met Robin. Um, even though he funded the show and I'm in line at the bathroom and I fucking see him. And actually what happened was I saw the guy who plays Cam from Modern Family, and I wanted to say I think you're really funny, but I didn't want to bother him. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like be Hollywood and be like, I like your work and turn around. And then right as I went to do that, Cam turned around and goes, I like your work to someone. And I go, what the fuck? And it was Robin. And Robin goes, Jamie! And kind of like very politely like ran past Cam and like gave me a huge hug. And he goes, wait outside. And he was doing this, um, this play on Broadway where he played this prisoner of war. And so we had this big like Jesus beard. And he comes out and I go, hey, I don't want to be a bother, but like Allie's here if you want to go meet her. And that was my ex-wife. And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, I have to meet her. And on the way to the show, I feel like this was after me and Rogan had the fight um, about like feminism. <laughs> oh, I was so silly. Um, he goes, uh, I told Allie I'm quitting. And she said, OK, she like had my she's like, I have your back. Like we can do it because I I used to threaten to quit all the time on the podcast, but I'm like, this is real. I'm gonna fucking kill myself. I can't do it, and um, and so I quit that day on the way to Book of Mormon, and then Book of Mormon, we were like, let's just celebrate it, right? So I don't say so. I, so Robin goes, where where are you guys sitting? And we go over there, and I go, where are you? And he goes, oh, I'm right here. And I go, don't worry about it. I don't want you to get fucking mobbed. You don't have to walk across a theater. It was like opening week, and he goes, no, 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 no. He's like, I have to meet her, and I go, all right. So I walk him over. It was crazy because like I have friends who are like little dumb 24-year-old like rock stars and stuff. And I see them get mobbed by teenagers. Yeah, yeah. But I've never seen people who look like my dad <laughs> mob where all these people who were like looking at me and Allie weird because we're like tattooed and in good seats and just wearing t-shirts. Um, Robin came over and dude, they would just touch him. Like he was like a like a god. It was yeah. so an Allie, good on her again, just like shoved past them, just like out of my way. And she just hugs Robin immediately. Never met him before. Gives him a huge hug. Not an affectionate person. Um, huge hug. And he, I swear to God, puts both hands on her face and was like, don't let him quit. I didn't fucking tell him yeah. at all. I didn't tell him on the way there that I literally quit an hour ago. And, uh, and then he kind of kept going and told her why. And, uh, 
and I didn't, you know, and, but then he died and I was like, I did exactly what he told me not to do where I was just like, I have nobody, you know, I've burnt all those bridges and like, I didn't even watch comedy, man. Like all this, like resurgence of stand up comedy with like Joe and, you know, me and Bert did a show together forever ago. And I didn't even know who Segura was. I didn't see all these Chappelle specials. I was just, comedy was dead to me. So when I, when, when I talk about, you know, seeing you or seeing a comic get in trouble or, I mean, I was just like, fuck comedy. And, uh, and so, you know, I he's one of the only reasons still fucking keeping me in it. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard and it's hard without him. And there, every time I, I have, every time I have a moment where, uh, God, I haven't th- th- thought about this in so long. Every time I have a moment where I'm struggling or I have a bad show or I want to quit, like I go to email him. Like I like I start to write it or I start just to go like I'll just call Robin and like he's not there and like you feel like alone. Like I feel like alone and I think that's why jujitsu's been so good for me is because like you feel like you have a team and like you're part of something and. With comedy, it's hard to feel that way, and, and and there are people who are doing it. Like what Joe's doing, like just making all these comics is huge. And you know, I'm not in with those guys. Like Joe was nice enough to have me back on. I'm not to, to like save my life. I mean, Joe, 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 and Stanhope really saved me by like bringing me out of this like yeah, disappearance. But <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, time, I mean, I, yeah, no, I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but like when like Joe's a smart guy. Yeah. When somebody makes a rape joke and people get all fucking angry and there's a comic defending it. Yeah. He he he, he knows what's going to happen. Right, 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 right. You know. Yeah, and I mean, like look, I I think it's really important what he's doing right now and 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 uh with helping comics and, you know, making people sort of be able to be like independently do their own thing. But like I don't necessarily they're not my grade. You know, they were a grade above me, like him and Bird and Ari and those guys. And I can look up no, to them not. and I can. They're not a grade above you. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, like, even, like, just in, like, coming up. Like, that was their friend group, you know? And, like, my friend group, like, was kind of all comics and they don't like me. And, you know, uh, or they think, like, terrible things about me that aren't true. And so it's definitely sort of like uh, a man without a country situation for me right now that I'm trying to. I'm trying my best to navigate. I mean, that's why I, I'm really proud of the podcast because I'm like I can do that by myself. And I can talk about what I want and I can interview UFC fighters and and and, and then yeah. Well, like listen, you're you, a good dude. And, you're single. We gotta talk about sex. Oh yeah, good sex. Oh yeah. Now you it. can increase your performance and get that extra confidence. Oh damn it! I thought you were gonna try to like <laughs> hook me up and like tell girls like find me on the internet. I will. You can find you and you can go to bluechew.com. Okay, that's great. Blue like the color blue. And, and then great. open new tab at Jamie Kilstein on Twitter. It's the first chewable with the same. FDA approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. I'll open my DMs. Take them anytime, day <laughs> right. and night, even on a full stomach. And they're chewable, so they work qu- twice as fast as a pill. It's prescribed online, goes right to your door in a discreet package, no in-person awkward doctor visits. And they're made in the USA, and they're cheap, mm-hmm. cheaper than a pharmacy. Go to bluechew.com, get your first shipment free when you use the promo code MMA. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-2.com, promo code MMA. Try it free. It's the cheaper better faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast oh yeah so uh, we gotta get you back on i gotta talk i I have to find out about this open marriage you had oh Uh, yeah we can talk about that (laughs) we've already done so long i don't want to go over for you but i'm fine uh 
Uh, it was a disaster. Is that what uh, well, you were wondering? I would never have an open marriage. Number one, I, I love my wife, and I don't want anyone else fucking her. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm the only one who doesn't get to fuck her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so... Um, Dude, yeah. she literally brought... Can we say that? She literally brought us a plate of cookies, and I was just like, Adam... You should at no point be jealous of anybody. You have the best goddamn life. These uh, cookies are so good. I can't stop eating them. I, I have my problems. I have, I have my share of OCD attacks and yada yada. Oh yeah, I'm having another cookie. Mom had schizophrenia and I haven't seen those three. And oh yeah, we, we can we can go and go on forever. Mom's but, a, my, uh, mine's an alcoholic, so I have all those like Al Anon. I could have fixed you issues. That's why I'm attracted to like women who yeah. Totally. Uh, you know, I, I get it. I still feel like I never uh, achieved what I wanted to in wrestling because like, I quit after my freshman year in college. Mm, but now through. you can do it through coaching. Now I do it through coaching. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So now, now I can help other kids not achieve their dreams. Uh, <laughs> so um, <laughs> That's so funny. I don't know if you've ever thought about writing about that. That's really <laughs> funny. I mean, maybe just because like, maybe it's esoteric for yeah. me and you, but Jesus, that's funny. Uh, so um, now I do, but so you had an open marriage with your wife and... You were cool with her being with other people? So, I can't really talk about it in detail because I can't talk about anything she was dealing with. um, And I don't want to. So, um, I kind of got to skirt that question. I can tell you off the air, but I kind of got to skirt that question. But, I mean, what I'll say about open relationships in general is I would not want another one. Right. Um... It was sort of a last attempt to to fix a dying marriage, you know, because we had this amazing show and this amazing friendship. Um, and but I'm not a proponent of it um, in the sense that like, yeah, like I want like this right now. Like Adam is literally his child is being held like handed to him. And it's like the most beautiful thing in the world. And I. I know that marriage is hard and everybody who writes about polyamory or open relationships, like I really respect the shit out of Aubrey Marcus from on it. Um, Why who, is, he, is he in that? He's in an open relationship. But he talks about it. He talks with, about how, with Miss two jits. Mm-hmm. Is he out of his mind? Yeah, I know. Uh, but he talks about how hard it's been, but he also talks about how it's been one of the best things for their relationship because they were going to break up and all this stuff. He speaks better than anybody I've ever heard on it. Because usually the open relationship proponents sound like weird little sex deviants. Uh, and they like say like, oh, it's easy. Nothing's bad. It's like, no, no, no. It's fucking hard. Like Aubrey is like the first time she slept with someone. I literally was like brought down to a knee. Like he was freaking out so much. Right. Yeah. And so to have that kind of honesty, I really love them. Also, Onnit's going to start sponsoring the Jamie Kilstein podcast, uh, my first sponsor ever. And but I, I, I adore Aubrey, and um, I do agree. Look, statistics on marriage are terrible, and the majority of marriages, I believe, end because people become attracted to other people, and people start lying, and you know they they don't open and they're not open and they're not honest. All of that stuff is true. With that said. I still think there's something really beautiful um, about a monogamous relationship, about um, still being attracted to that same person years down the line, you know, understanding that, yeah, you'll be attracted to other people, but it doesn't mean you have to go fuck them, right? Um, Yeah, and also, I mean, with me also, it's like, not. I always think the worst of everything. Yeah. So So if I don't know everything that's going on, then they're like being like gang banged by like the Philadelphia <laughs> yeah, Eagles. Or, yeah, right, right, exactly. And and then also, and, and if she doesn't know, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, plus, now with that said though, where I'm at now in this whole like ego trying to become a better person thing, I would be like, well, that's a quality 
that I would want to get rid of. Maybe not necessarily through an open relationship, but like... To think of the worst of everything. Yeah, like a lot of people, like me and you, like especially coming from comedy, we brag about our faults. So you always get the guy who's like, yeah, man, I just get blackout drunk. That's fucking what I'm the party guy. And it's like, well, you, you're an alcoholic. You just yeah, stop yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and like, so it's like, I used to be really jealous because I was insecure. And so I don't want to be jealous anymore. Do I want an open relationship? No, but not because of jealousy. I don't want an open relationship because it just is a lot of fucking work, man. A lot of work. When I meet polyamorous people, they're like, okay, so every Tuesday, my partner leaves the house and she goes to with her secondary. And then oh, I, and I was just like, I don't want to start scheduling sex. I would rather just like Pornhub it out. Even, and che- then- even cheating is too much work. People, you have to constantly be. Uh, Oh, looking at deleting like, messages yeah. and like private browsers, like, and then ugh. thinking that she knows. Yeah, no, know, it just seems fuck. like a nightmare. Um, but I also think that my biggest problem uh, is I used to get into relationships too fast because I thought I was just a unlovable piece of shit. So, like, if <laughs> my some... wife keeps walking in <laughs> and like on these great quotes, <laughs> by the way, yeah, okay, go but on. But it's true. But well, like, I, I guarantee you, when she's like. When you leave, she's going to say to me, Is he okay? She's not dropping out of high school. <laughs> that's the, who that's, was the sad guy who ate a plate of cookies while saying he was unlovable? Like, what, what kind of parents let their kid drop out of oh, high that's school? so funny. Yeah, look, I like my last girlfriend was, and she was with me after all, all, she was with me after all that shit happened. And uh, she was like, I love her to death. But she was like unstable, um, jealous over nothing. Like, dude, especially after what happened to me, like I didn't look at another girl. Like she would like throw things at me. Um, if we were watching a commercial and she thought like we saw a commercial for Amy Schumer and she suddenly convinced herself that I must have had sex with Amy Schumer. And like, dude, it was just insane. And uh, but she was beautiful and she accepted everything I went through and she was funny and smart and whatever. So whenever a attractive, semi-nice-seeming woman showed interest in me, my first thought is there has been a clerical error. Um, she loves me by mistake. I will never meet anyone else. So I'm going to let this person be mean to me or I'm going to yeah. let this person whatever. So now it's like I don't think I need an open relationship. I just think I need to actually be patient and be comfortable being alone, and then actually wait for someone who's like decent. Um, you like, will. dude, oh, I, like if I could find like a jujitsu girl, or like, because I usually just date just like mean. Right now, I'm like, I just want someone with fucking ambition where we can both push each other, and uh, somewhere in there is some kind of combat sport thing. You will. You'll find that. I know you will. I think so. I know you. I'll I'll be on the lookout. I'll be on the lookout, out. please. I, I, I yes. Just weird. My wife has really hot friends. Yeah, that qu- quirky fighter seems to be my uh, my type. Quirky fighter. Quirky fighters. All right. If there's anybody in the UFC or, or Invicta, <laughs> you yeah, let, you let me know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so where are you going to be? Where can people find you? Your podcast or anything else? All right. So the Jamie Kilstein podcast again. I'm super proud of. Um, People from like Kevin Lee to like Kat Von D. Um, so it's a really diverse. Um, and um, we talk about all these like mental issues and, and, and shit like that. Um, that's weird. And we dick around like it's funny, but I'm really proud of it. So that's 
Jamie Kilstein Podcast on Stitcher and iTunes. Uh, my Twitter's at Jamie Kilstein. Uh, my Instagram is new, so not as big, but it's the place that I go for happiness because it's just like fighters and inspirational quotes and like cats and not like strangers calling me a cuck. Um, <laughs> so that's Jamie Kilstein Podcast on Instagram. It's a lot of you live video with the cats. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and then which is uh, funny because I see you during the day like the coaching fighting and like aggression, and then at night it's like you and your cat. Just like, I love you so much, I love you so much. And yeah. then um, I'm going to be in Fresno next Wednesday. Yes. It's like my first headlining gig in a while, so I'm super excited. Uh, I'm bringing Lisa Curry, who's a headliner as well, to open. Um, I'll get the info from there. I'm going to drive down to AKA. Did I tell you this? You got to do John, uh, yeah, John Fitch. Yeah, so right? Fitch is going to be on the podcast, but he invited me to do the pro, the team training at AKA. He's fighting so Roy McDonald. Yeah, dude. But like, so I'll get to be like for a day a part of that fight camp and like, oh, it's going to be a beating, but I'm excited. So it's the standard in Fresno. Um, that's next Wednesday at 730. Uh, food and drinks available. Ten dollar cover. My wife used to work there. No way. She's from Fresno. That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, it's Wednesday, August 29th at the standard 815 Fresno. I'll be hobbling in there with black eyes and uh, try to remember my jokes with my newly John Fitcher Khabib concussed head. How's your uh, I, I may have a gig in, in Miami. You, you have a lot of fans in Miami. I don't know. I mean, if I say yes, will you take me? Because yeah. I've, I've, I've that's like a door deal, so we could like do it. And yeah, I've never been to Miami. No, we, we can go to uh, uh, American Top Team. We can go to American Top Team. I actually have friends there. Um, and then uh, it's gonna be in January. So. Holy shit, we should do that. Yeah, yeah, dude, I've always wanted to go to fucking Miami. Oh, you'll love it. You will um, be. yeah, let's go. We have to. We so, have to. We have to. All right, now we're gonna talk to Darian Caldwell. Darian Caldwell. What's up, man? What's up, man? I'm here. It's me, you. It's Jamie Kilstein. You're on the MA Roasted Podcast. Congrats on the win. Another another win. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. Now, I, I called it, bro. When I saw you wrestle in the NCAAs, he went up against this guy, Brett Metcalf, who was the best in the world, who beginning of the season, tech falled him. That means you're up by 15 to nothing, and they just canceled the match. So, like, it's over. And he came back. <laughs> Three weeks later... He was the number, like, 16 in the tournament or something. He throws a head and arm to open the match, which is, like, rule number one that what you don't do. Puts him on his back, beats this guy who's a three-time national champion, fucks him up, and then towards the end starts doing backflips during the wrestling match. The guy just runs into him, throws him off the mat. Like, he almost broke his fucking head. And now here he is, the world champion at 135. And soon the 145. How are you, Caldwell? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. So, actually, I'm actually going to a, a wrestling event right now. Might bump into him. Might put him on his head. <laughs> uh, no, no, nice. Now you're going. To, you're actually wrestling again. You're you're competing. Uh, what was that? Are you competing or just watching? No, no, I'm I'm just watching. Nice, man. So listen, you 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 won the 135 title. Now you're going up to 45. Are you going to fight for the championship or go back down to 135? Uh, well, I think I made my case for a title shot at 145. You know, um, I called out who I wanted to call out, and I hadn't heard a response. So, um, you know, the offer's on the table for me, so it is what it is. Nah, man, you look you look great. I mean, honestly, I think that uh, I was a little nervous. About four or five fights ago, you lost to that guy from Guam, Joe Guam. Uh, you took a, a bad shot. 
But I think that was the best thing that ever happened to you, right? Uh, what? Uh, what, my loss? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, uh, I was able to come, you know, I was able to, you know, make a transition and find the right gym for me after that, you know? Yeah. What's the, what's the mental game behind that? So, like, when you're, when you're so confident, and I feel like watching you fight so much of a, you look so calm uh, and aggressive, which is what I love, and, like, you have that confidence that when you do have a loss like that, how do you not sort of, like, get in your head, and how do you actually turn it around and somehow come out and look more confident and just be uh, even more uh, violent? Well, I just, I've been, I've lost so many times, you know, so losing isn't something that's, that's new to me, you know, I've dealt with losses, I know, I know how to deal with them, deal with them so, um, you know, that was, that was no difference, you know. So you just don't give a shit <laughs> to Ron? Nah, you know, honestly, I've always felt like, you know, the second go around for anybody is, is tougher for them, you know, because... You know, it's, it's just, I pick up styles pretty easily, pretty fast, you know. So the longer you end, you end up with me, you know, the worse it is for you. Dude, I need that. Adam, he's like, I'll have a bad show. And I'm like, I guess I quit comedy. Every time I have a bad show, I text you and I'm telling you I'm quitting. I know. I mean, the, the, the key is to have as many shows back to back. So that, that's, uh, that, that's what he's, you know. Now, you, now you're training with Dominic Cruz over at Alliance. You got Phil Davis. You got Jeremy Stevens. You got monsters in there. Uh, how do you and Cruz do in sparring? Is it just, is it, what are those sparring sessions like? I mean, it's tough, you know. Yeah, I, I really just like walk out of, out of practices, thankful I'm, I'm alive, you know. They're a dogfight every day, you know. Dogfight every day. Now, when I hung out with you, you were a foot taller than me. And you fight at 135. You, now, you told me you were getting up to 185 before fights. Are you still cutting 50 pounds? Yeah, no. I've been working on my diet, you know? <laughs> yeah, because 50 pounds, I, it was too much, man. I've been working on my diet as I'm at Popeye. Are you at McDonald's right now ordering food? It sounds like I'm you're at, at Popeye's. You're at Popeye's? You, <laughs> you and fucking Gary Tonin. Whenever I see your goddamn Instagram, if I have like an In-N-Out burger, I gain 10 pounds. It takes me like a weekend to cut it off. I don't want to say you're working on your diet, but you're ordering Popeye's. I mean, there's a lot of... Come on, man. Really? I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Naturally, you know, my body just... I have a pressing question. Is Dominic Cruz's tiny dog as cool as it seems, or is it more of a diva in person? His dog? His little dog. His dog is cool as shit. That's, that's <laughs> one of the homies for real. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I want to meet that little dog so bad. Uh, yeah, he's cool. He's cool. Now, why, now, I think, now, man, here's, what, here's what's the problem. Darion, honestly, I'm, I'm obviously your biggest fan. I've been your biggest fan since, uh, since watching you in college, since high school, when you were, uh, when you were 115 and four in high school. Uh, but the thing is, is that what bothers me is I truly think you're the best in the world. I think that you versus TJ Dillashaw would be a monster fight. But I think that you walk into a Popeye's chicken and people aren't going crazy. They don't know who you are. But you're so fucking good. How do we fix that? 
Hello. By, by hang up on me? Darian. Caldwell. Yes. We're going to call him back. Darian. Dar- Darian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, okay, there we go. So the thing was is that you're so talented. We, we got to get you to be a household name because the world needs to know how good you are. What about me being a household name? Uh, we got to get you to be a household name because I think the world needs to know how good you are, man. I mean, I honestly think you're the most talented fighter in, uh, in MMA, one of them at least. Yeah, no. Uh, I think uh, Pitbull, maybe Dustin. So uh, we'll, have, we'll we'll see, you know. But I mean, I just think the more fights I have, you know, I just can't be, be denied. So yeah, I just gotta keep fighting, you know, stay active. That's true. I mean, the fact that you th- when the one of my favorites when he threw Joe Warren on his head. You ever see that fight? He 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 back suplexed Joe Warren, who was a a Greco like ranked in the Greco wrestling. Uh, now, now, Darian, uh, how many more fights do you have left on your Bellator contract? Uh, I got, I got a few fights left. Once I, once I won, you know, the belt, you know. Uh, have you thought yeah. about uh, calling out TJ Dillashaw? Uh, TJ, yeah. When the time is right, I think that fight will happen. You know. And how do you see that fight going down? Well, I think TJ's arms are too short, you know? He's a 25 Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you... you, you, he's, you know, he's a little guy that's fighting at 30. He's a, he's a little guy fighting at 35. So, uh, now, how do you... Now, how do you think you match up against uh, Brian Ortega or uh, Max Holloway? I think I might... I actually might match up with him those guys as well, you know. Uh, well, same, it's the same thing, you know, those, those guys are not on my level, I don't think, you know. Obviously, if it's, you know, when you find a person, you see if they have, but, you know, I think when the time is right, in the, in the proper training camp, those guys can, can take it out of two. Now, how much weed did you so smoke about 10 minutes ago? Right there, you know, I, that's not in the picture for me right now. I'm not really thinking about uh, yeah, yeah, no, of course. Away, you know? No, of course. Now, how much marijuana did you smoke about ten minutes ago? <laughs> what did you say? I said, how much weed did you smoke about ten minutes ago before Popeyes? Man, I don't know. I just probably uh, man. You, you don't, know, you know how it goes. Yeah. I, I got it. I got it. Of course, of course. Now, do you now when you came to my show, you had that hot girl you picked up at the gym. She had an amazing ass. She was like mixed. Uh, is are you are you uh, still with that girl? I'm just chilling, man. You know, <laughs> I focus on I focus on one uh, another belt. You know, I ain't really got uh, a lot of time on my hands. You know, of course. I focus on too much beside, outside of you know two two division champions. Yeah. I wish I was cool enough just to give these like ominous, vague answers. <laughs> so okay, so, so cool. So you're single now, is what you're saying? He's chilling. Yeah, he's chilling. Yeah, I'm, I'm chilling. Uh, you're chilling. Okay. I dig. Uh, I dig. I dig. Now, do you spar against Phil Davis? All the time. Me and Phil at the artist, at the artist on the jump. Wow. Like, nah. 
Yeah, it feels too big. Yeah, right. I know, but I would think that once you get up to that point. So, uh, all right. Now, who do you have winning the Bellator 170-pound uh, championship, the whole uh, tournament? Uh, I like Eric you know? I like his, uh, his journey to uh, the title. I think, uh, I, I th- you know, I, I mean, if I had a, to pick, I'd say Ed Ruth, you know? Yeah, I think Ed Ruth, too. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's an amazing wrestler, but Neiman Gracie's hard out. That's going to be a good, uh, you know, a really good fight. A really good fight. So, um, yeah, I, I, think that, I think the whole um, tournament is going to be filled with, you know, fight for, for everybody. Everybody's going to want to tune. It's about time. Now, um, what's his name getting knocked out? James Gallagher. Did you talk to him afterwards? Uh, who? Uh, James Gallagher, the, uh, Irish, the uh, Irish kid that got knocked out? Yeah. Nah, he went back into his cave after he, he uh, did the arrow. But, oh, you know, he, he had the, the, the loss of love, you know. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't expect there to. Uh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. I was there. You don't, nobody was making fun of you. But uh, now, what about you versus um, uh, Antonio McGee Jr.? Yeah, man. Yeah, I want the belt, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. What I want to fight for the belt. Yeah. What did you order at Popeye's? <laughs> I got a 15-second <laughs> Well, listen, Darian Caldwell, you're one of my favorite fighters. Keep it up, man. Keep up the good work. Uh, I'm sure you're just slaying pussy in San Diego right now. Uh, stay focused, Actually, man. I'm not. I'm just, you know, I'm focused on that belt. Honestly, okay. Yeah, people coming from my belt, and, I, and I'm coming for another one. So, now, after you, you know, get that belt, because I think you're going to win that belt, are you going to go to 55 and get that belt too? You know, honestly, it'll be an honor to fight for the channel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Well, listen, thanks for being on the podcast. Enjoy your Popeyes. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, Darian. Kill it, man. Okay. Now we're going to talk to Andre Ewell. Hey, Andre Ewell. Hey, how you doing? It's how you doing? Good. It's me and Jamie Kilstein. You're on the MMA Roasted Podcast. Uh, congrats on getting signed with the UFC. Hey, truly appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Now, how did this happen? A couple, I mean, a couple weeks ago, you were on the couch. Relaxing, you get a phone call saying you want to fight Henan Barral in Brazil, and you just say, "Sure." Nah, you guys want to hear the true story? I want to, of course. Or I can, I can go ahead. No, I want to hear the okay, true story. I can give you that one if you want that one. No, can, we can run with that part unless you want the real story. You I want, want the real story. I, I, I want the real story. Let you guys know that one. We, we want the real story. Yeah. We want the real story. All right. So the real story is that I was basically dealing with bank stuff for trying to get this home because I was getting ready to be a. Uh, basically homeless me and my family were trying to like do this whole home thing so uh a situation ended up happening where they're like hey you know we can get you on this uh this card etc they just said brazil ufc um didn't even give me the opponent i just said yeah it doesn't matter um you know i love the fly and whoever it is i'm taking them out period just like that you know um situation came up about that it was like oh i had to do like certain things that i didn't want to do 
which uh, it kind of involved as in uh, like basically kind of like stabbing people in the back. And I'm not that type of person to do things like that. So kind of like, no, I'm good. I was like, I prefer to wait um, until the time is honestly right. And that's with the team that I went up there with. And that's just how I am. All right. You know? uh, so hold up. That first day that I got the phone call, it almost was uh, no of catch me next time. But everything kind of worked its way out. And I was literally sitting in the bank when they gave me that call. Like, hey, we got you signed. All you got to do is this, this, and we're gravy. You're on. And then um, so that day I was, like, emotional, but I was, like, kind of, like, mad. So, but it was, like, one side of my face, my face was, like, pissed off. The other side of my face was, like, in tears. And my mom, like, because it was, like, my mom was standing next to me, like, you know, looking at me. And she was, like, what's wrong? I was, like, mom, we made it. <laughs> you know? So it was, like, an emotional thing going on in the bank. Wait, so to uh, be, Me trying to, like. So to be clear, because <laughs> nothing good ever seen. There you go. Well, okay. I, I, all right, J- Jamie, that's amazing. You should solve uh, mysteries. Okay, but but I do have a couple questions here. Uh, number one, okay. number okay, a couple things. Number one, what kind of thing would you have to stab your friends in the back? I, I don't know. I, just elaborate, please, if you can. Um. So basically, on like me kind of giving the story, but not the full on it. Is that uh, it was helped with managing type thing. Uh. The person that ended up actually helping me or got me to you or connected to you guys was Matt Dodge. And from the gate, I wasn't even thinking of a managing group or anybody to manage me because, you know, everything I was doing off of my hard work and my team, that everything was basically placed in the position that I was going to get things done. Um, I saw Matt. Matt, I, you know, ended up speaking to him. He, uh, he ended up... Uh, Basically bringing in Jamal Emmers. Right. I'm uh, not sure if you guys know about him. But I, I know. Jamal I know. Emers I know is, him uh, very well. Yeah, Jamal Emmers uh, has a, a win uh, over Alex Hernandez, who's uh, who just knocked out two guys. OAM. Uh, he beat OAM, yeah. and he also beat Benil Dariush. But go on. Okay. Yeah. So Jamal, I am basically a fan. That's my buddy. That's my, you know, that's my friend and everything. So uh, it's kind of like one of those. I see you're a good person. So I'm like the type of person if you're like good. As in, in my mentality, as in I, can, I get great vibes from you, like I can hang around you the whole nine, then we're good. It's like one of those things. So you, so I you, got that with Matt. Yep. Okay, yeah. So I got that with Matt. Um, I ended up jumping on board with him. Um, he, he was uh, working with the whole KRS thing. And basically, I jumped in there because of him. So the day that he decided to leave, I already told him that I'm moving with them. Because one, I never even met the other person that was running the things. Never had, never built a relationship. Like, have you ever watched the movie Show Me the Money? Yeah. Like, Show Me the Money. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> I get it. All right, this makes sense. I like, okay. that, I like that even though you're a young guy, you just described the movie like my grandma was. <laughs> Jamie, you're hilarious. All right, so now it also, yeah, you know? but it also concerns me that like Barrow's on a four fight losing streak, so like let's get a homeless guy to fight him. Uh, so that hey, also, because <laughs> so I mean, I basically because they're, they're like, okay, we need he needs a win, he's Brazilian, he's the former champion, they're bringing you in, is your first UFC fight. Do you kind of feel like you're being set up to lose here? Or at least that's what they're hoping? Uh, I believe that's what they're hoping. But me, it's, 
it's all, it's normal. Just the fact is in all every fight that I did end up having coming up into this situation or the places that I've been gone, I was set up to lose. I was supposed to be the loser, you know. I'm supposed to be the guy that didn't have nothing, and it's already I'm already used to because. I was a kid that raised up with absolutely nothing and tried to fight for everything that I ended up having. So me working for scratch, me honestly doing extra stuff, you know, just to get to the top or to where I am now. So yeah, ain't one of those little side swipers of, hey, you got to disadvantage. It's actually, hey, I'm actually at home. And any cage, wherever the cage is at, if I'm in that cage, that's my out. You know, that's just how I feel about that. I fucking love that. And you're also like, I mean, even your mental game and what you went through turning down that first fight, like, uh, again, that was a, a card stacked against you situation, and you made the right move, and you, and you came out on top. So it's like, you're kind of, you're, if you keep riding that, uh, you're kind of already on your way. Also, if you win this, and you don't make yep. your fight name Homeless Rage, I will be so disappointed. <laughs> no, no, it's even worse. His, his fight nickname, his fight nickname is Afro Monkey. Uh, which I'm not going to say I did not make up that name, I, but I read that your nickname was Afro Monkey. Uh, are they really going to say yeah. that? Are they really going to say that? And why? And are, are, nah. No, no, right? Well, no, 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 yeah. It was one of those things, like, I, I understand where they're coming from, the way they can't end up saying it. And truth be told, it's going to be simply Andre Yule, but hey, wherever the fans lead into, if they call me that, that's what they're going to be calling me. If they call me Mr. Entertainment, that's what they're going to call me. I have so many names out there. They, some people even call me Mr. Bobby Brown. Like, you know, that just made the, the that left the new addition. Because uh, uh, I'm feeling good about everything I end up doing. Got it, I'm got it. great moves, you feel me? Now it's, so, that, yeah, it, it kind of flows in that direction. Now it says that your, um, your fighting style is Smash Foo. Uh, what, what, ex- oh, yeah. what exactly is Smash Foo? Uh, Smash Pool is basically a Ford. It's me. It's it's truly me. It's one of those styles that I'm aggressive and whatever I end up saying I'm going to do is what I'm going to do. Like, I post everything that I end up doing. Everything that's my gym. Like, most people are like, oh, don't record your, um, your, uh, your, your training. Don't record you sparring. And my eyes, uh, it's like this. You already know what I'm getting ready to do because I'm telling you what I'm getting ready to do. Now the question is, do you stop it? Can you stop it? Because I'm a challenger. I'm the type of person that challenges people. Uh, like one, this. They know that I got a knife. Uh, say it again? I'm looking for you on Instagram right now because now I want to follow you. I found you on Twitter. Uh, that was, uh, I, my jiu-jitsu, I came up with uh, Marcelo Garcia. Like That's who, that, that, that's who I trained under. And Marcelo is the best in the world. And he said the same thing. He was kind of like, the first jujitsu guy, now lots of people do it, who have that like uh, that uh, like a website where it's like here are all of my techniques, here's all of my sparring in class, and yeah, people would say to Marcelo Garcia like, aren't you afraid? You know, because martial arts used to be so cryptic yeah. and weird. Like, aren't you afraid that uh, you know you're giving away your techniques? And he's like, no, they're gonna know what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna be so fucking good at it, they're not gonna be able to stop it. So like that attitude exactly. is like, very close to my yeah. heart. Well, you also, I mean, you're, yeah. on a, you're on a four-fight win streak. You've had four fights since last December. Uh, I mean, this is going to be your fifth fight this year. Uh, you're, you know, you're, you're doing really, really well. Uh, and like you said, you grew up in Riverside, California. Then you went to Texas, and you, you were picked on a lot, right? A lot of people used to fuck with you? Oh, all the time. It's literally one of the things that my pops always did to tell me, like, you got to learn how to fight because you're light-skinned. And that was his key thing, and that's like what I grew up with. I'm light-skinned, they're going to fight me. I'm light-skinned, they're going to fight me. So uh, from there, every time that I end up moving, the school bully always ends up finding me. 
And as soon as that happens, you know how that, that little story, how it goes, like fight the bully, you win, you guys become friends, and it's like you guys go on with your day. Yeah. I was basically me growing up with everything. So that ended up happening. And so I probably befriended a lot of, a lot of friends with a lot of bullies or started out with bullies and became like, you know, the nicest kids on the planet now you know but then you said that you, so like you yeah but then you said that you were too cute to be a fighter uh i've never heard anybody exactly. i'd heard anybody said that they said that themselves were too cute uh so because <laughs> uh, you know my mom always pushed me into it i promise you like, my mom always told me like you should do this for real you should do this for real i'm like nah mom like you gotta look at my face i'm, I'm cute like you know this is this is at the age where you know uh Basically, the looks was everything. Girls be like, hey, yeah, he's cute, this, or hey, yeah, I like them, like that. So it was like, I was getting this stage of trying to get a girlfriend, which I never ended up getting a girlfriend, but I, I, I tried. Of course. Like, you know? uh, uh, real quick. But it was one of those things. I know you said you don't use the name Afro Monkey, but I found you on Instagram, and apparently if you want 20% off your CBD sponsor, you use the code <laughs> Afro Monkey. I feel, I feel like you're just baiting white people to say it so that you could then punch them in the face. <laughs> I feel like this hey, is like <laughs> what I'm telling people is it is okay. Like, like you know, I'm trying to understand. It. It's like he says it, then it's okay. So now I'm telling people it's okay. You can say it. You know, well, I'm saying coming out of my mouth, I ain't gonna say. It. But everybody, it's 100 percent okay. Anybody that's listening to it, you can go ahead and say it. It's, it is what it is. I'm just gonna say, at the end of the day, I'm I'm a hero. I'm just gonna that's say I look at. I'm gonna say the AM word. That's yeah, gonna be that, nice. yeah, yeah, hey. I'm, yeah. Yeah, and that's like the slow. That's the slow version of bring people in. I, you know, go AM. Good morning. I'm gonna like call you. Af- I'm gonna call you Afro people Money. Sleeping on me, and I'm waking them up. I'm gonna call you Afro Money. That way, that way, I'll just leave the mo- I'll just leave the K out. Afro Money. Now, hey, uh, yeah. Hey, I like that too. Yeah. I'm rolling with that. So look, you see how that comes for you. Not everybody that's on that listeners radio is gonna be calling me Afro Monkey or Afro Money, and that's what they're gonna run with. Now, I like. It. People that's are also going to be upset that you could fight. You could fight five times in six months and almost be homeless. That's also very upsetting. Uh, yeah, for also right, like, you're really like fucking charismatic, and like I, I, I feel like like I haven't seen any of your interviews. I'm, I'm going to go down like a wormhole and watch all your fights when I get home. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I feel like you definitely like have everything to sort of have that like star quality. By the way, just in case you, uh, I mean, you're going to fucking. I think you're going to win just by dogging you. But uh, uh, get, thank you. Get your fucking. And he, he has like 80 followers too. But, but yeah, you're, and get and get get an easier name though, also because it's like underscore six pound like fucking pie sign. Okay. I got you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> underscore six pound. Hey, I'll definitely work on that. I'm gonna definitely change that. Uh, yeah, also, I got that. Uh, I got I got the help for that. Also, so you, also you have Hebrew on your chest. Are you are you Jewish? What's going on? Uh, to be honest, back then, it's one of those, like, growing up, I was raised uh, Christian slash Baptist, and I ended up doing my own homework, and then I got to the Hebrew thing where, you know, Yahweh and everything, but uh, eventually I branched out to being, like, Buddhist, so I've been kind of following on that, uh, that situation a lot. Most people, they're like, yeah, man, I had, like, a drug phase when I was a teenager, or I had, like, a and you're like, yo, I had a fucking Hebrew phase when I was a teenager. Like, I was like going you know? to like the bad parts of the neighborhood with my earlocks and shit. <laughs> That's you it. know, like, hey. Yo, how does the. I've been actually really. I've been really fascinated with Buddhism recently. Uh, my, 
buddy. You know that historian? You would like him. Uh, he's in the MMA. Daniele Bellelli. He, he goes on Rogan's. Uh, he has a, a history podcast called History on Fire. Um, but he okay. Uh, he has a, a separate podcast called like the Drunken Taoist, and he talks a lot about Taoism and Buddhism and MMA. What's your sort of? Because I think to someone, you know, Adam and I both train, but I think to someone who doesn't train uh, and doesn't realize, like, I don't know how beautiful like combat sports can be. They would see Buddhism and fighting as sort of like opposed, as polar opposites. Uh, what's the connection you see? Because I find that fucking fascinating. Well, the connection is basically like uh, like the monks. I don't know if everybody anybody knows, like monks are one of the most dangerous people on the planet right now. You know, even though that they don't shoot off with violence, the thing is, if they ever get pushed to that edge, or if they have to do something for them to defend whatever's next to them, they're able to and be capable of doing it. So with me, it's just it's more of a separating what is art and what's not, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, when it comes into the combat, it's art. That's, that's one of those things. And if you end up flowing and making it turn into a competition, it's not, it's not, it doesn't become violent and out of proportion of what you've been uh, growing up with and that whatnot, you know? Like me, it's like, I'm, I'm very peaceful. Like, outside of the cage, or not there, I am 100% peaceful to the moment of, like, when anybody that walks up to me, I tell them, uh, I don't even speak on them, I'm a cage fighter, but as soon as they figure it out, first thing they come out, it's like, whoa, I wouldn't know that. Oh, my goodness, you know, you look so young. What would you do this and that? And no, I'm 30, but then people be telling me I, I look like 24 and 21 because I've been drinking my green tea, people. I drink my green tea. That's, that's all for the Buddhism line. And then black doesn't right? crack also. So, oh, black don't crack. Yes. He said it, people. Said it. <laughs> wait, wait, that is great. I love it. Man. This is so fascinating. Where like, because I've even had those like jujitsu roles where like, when I'm going, I could be going against a, uh, a, a black belt, a UFC fighter, and if I stay relaxed and composed and I'm having fun, I will perform so much better than if I just get tense against like a blue belt who's being kind of shitty to me, right? So like. Do you, yeah. so are you one of those guys where if you, on the way to the cage, was like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy, this guy's coming for mine, you think you would actually perform worse? Like, are you saying that one of the things that actually helps you as a fighter is just being like, I want to put on a fucking show, I want to have fun, and that, does that almost like calm your nerves? Uh, definitely. To be honest, every time that I end up walking to the cage, I'm not even really thinking of the fight, to be honest. It's like, I like so much... I'm going on in my life that it's just like it clouds like my vision type of a deal. By the time that I get in there, it's one of those. All right, breathe. Here we are. Time to put on the show. It's time for you to perform. So I'm just like, if you, yeah. if you by looking at my uh, Instagram and everything I'm following, I am an entertainer. Though. And it's like, like I even got been through my like shit, like you know, my son, you know, the drama of me trying to fight and to be in his life and all this stuff coming up to today's day that. I still put on a smile. So I'm stressed when I wake up, but it's up to me to fix the, the pattern of how I'm going to end up presenting myself when I walk out the door, you know? Yeah, I actually... And me yeah. working on a smile, and that's what everybody sees, me smiling. I, actually, I end up building myself up to be happy. I act, work to be happy. You know how they say, being negative, only negative things are going to flow your way. Yeah. Being positive, you're going to be looking at a good outcome of beautifulness. Well, I look at it. I love that. Now, I, I, I read that you were fighting for custody of your son. You lost custody, I guess. What, you, it was a, a, a one-night. What, what happened? And did you get custody? 
Uh, no, actually still since 2000. So note this and hear the date. So September 23rd, 2013 was the last time that I was able to hold my son, talk to my son, even, you know, just speak to him. Um, from there, that's about five years ago, which is going to mark September 23rd, the day after the, the Brazil fight, that, um, that I've been out of his life and I've been basically in and out of court with the drama and basically the judge looking down on me like I'm a piece of, I had no value to me, you know. I want to say piece of shit, but... I already said it, so my bad, piece of shit. So right. made me feel like I was I was worth nothing, you know? And that was that day where, or a year passed of, like, depressedness, it, I had to make a change. I had to make a difference, and this is where I stated that following a negative path, only negative things will end up occurring. So I ended up turning things around by being positive, no matter where I knew the money wasn't in MMA in the beginning, but I knew the, the worth that I had, and I knew how great I was at fighting that, um, that I pushed on it. Well, I'm, I'm a true believer. You should do whatever you love or do what you want to do that, that's, that's, that you're good at or great at. And fighting was, it was something for me. Like some people are able to talk. Some people are able to dance, even though I can dance and talk. You feel me? Yeah. I'm great at all that. So we could go ahead and say that. I'm going to put all that together. I was, I was, I was that dude. So now it's just, open up the door to let other people see it, you know? I love it. And that's what ended up happening. Well, you're one of my new favorite fighters, man. Dude, that's what I was just going to say, too. Ah, like, appreciate I, that. You have, like, appreciate such that. a huge fan. Yeah, like, I, I, I can't wait for this, man. I, I really, really, really wish you the best. And you're training over in uh, Riverside, oh, California? You. you still live in Riverside? Uh, yeah, Riverside. I've uh, got two, two facilities, one in Riverside called Apex. Uh, the one is in San Bernardino, where I'm at as we speak, as we're talking. It's Impact, which Apex is inside the facility, Wait, with uh, Merle uh, Miller is running and all. So, Dude, yeah. I, I'll come down and train at some point. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hit you up on Instagram or Twitter. Like, I would love to come train like after your, uh, after your fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, anytime. You, you're all welcome, and anybody else that's listening are all, all welcome to come. So, you know, I, I'm here. I'm here basically Monday through... Uh, Saturday. So are you training with uh, Lorenz Larkin and uh, those guys up there? Uh, they come by. They come by. Uh, uh, Lorenz was here about two weeks ago. And uh, Bravo, Johnny Bravo, he was uh, just over here yesterday. And then uh, like so, a, yeah. and Georgie Karakanyan, all those guys? Uh, some of them at that time. Like, you know, and sometimes I'll go over there to where they're at. So, nice. you know, Millennium and, uh, yeah, it, it, it all, all kind of like close and depends on what's going on that day. Like Hearts Farm, we go over here. Close Farm, we come over here. Jit, we go over there. Everything's like set in its pattern the way it's supposed to be. Now, you're a good looking yeah. guy. You're a good looking guy. You're single. You're going to be in Brazil. Now, those women are insane. <laughs> Those women are the most beautiful, aside from my wife, they're the most beautiful women on, on the planet Earth, right? Asses, and they're going to love a black guy like you. They're not going to know that you're even American. They're going to think you're going to fit in over there. And then you're a fighter. You got a, a, an eight-pack. What's going to keep you from not having more kids when you're over in, uh, in Brazil? Well, right now, I'm going to have to keep the mindset that I am Deion Sanders on draft day, so I'm going to have to keep that there. <laughs> so in other words, that I am a lot of the pit. So I'm going to have to, like, hold off and make sure I pick the right one. But, again, like I said, it is Brazil. And this is my first time going overseas. 
to a, you know, oh. uh, a foreign land. So I'm actually excited about that. Yes. So if I come back there, we already know what happened. Yeah. Well, okay. Listen, you 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 beep <laughs> you beep around in Brazil. Oh my God! They're gonna they're gonna circle you. They're they're gonna oh my! It's gonna be you're gonna change your name to uh to I don't know uh, Afro Muff Diver or something. It's 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 gonna be insane. <laughs> well, that obviously has to. Freaking love it, man. <laughs> hey, you got y'all. He said enough. We'd <laughs> be out there right there. So I love it. Uh, well, good. I'm definitely, definitely gonna end up seeing that name too. So September twenty hey. second, fighting in Brazil. How can people find you on social media? Oh, easy. Instagram, day 24. Oh, see, look, I'm already mixing up my whole thing. Day 42. So D-A-I-I-4-2 on Instagram. And then you can catch me on Twitter whenever I can get my thing open. All right, day 24 underscore dress. Okay. So that's my Twitter, which I'm going to eventually end up changing just because I, I heard you guys already... <laughs> Basically, told me I need to change it. You do. It's, oh, it's way you. too confusing, man. I started following you. Just get to the get your manager or whatever to the UFC PR people, and they'll verify that shit and uh, fix it up. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, okay. Sounds like a plan. Definitely. Uh, yes. Exactly. But yeah. So uh, I have all the uh, all the sites on social media. All you gotta do is type my first name and last name, Andre Yule, and you'll find me. I'll uh, pop up. Yeah. Picture of my face, oh, yeah. my beautiful face. <laughs> well, good luck, brother. Good luck. Ah, truly appreciate that. Thank you, you guys, all for having me on here. Any, you any, know, any, I'm any welcome. Anytime, anytime. All right, let's talk to Logan Storley. Good. How you doing, man? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, what's going on? How are you? How was uh, golf? I was good. Just back out on the course. Are you? Uh, are you? A, are you a good golfer? Uh, no, I try. I think I am, but I'm all right. By the way, congrats on your recent win in Bellator. Uh, you, you against AJ Matthews. You look great. It was a first round finish. You went out there just just murked the guy. Uh, AJ Matthews is a tough out. He had a win over Kendall Grove. He's, he's not an easy guy to win, but you made it look easy. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, how did you feel about that fight? I felt good. You know, I knew going into it that um, he was long and that if I just knew that once we got into the ground, I felt like in the last four, the last three weeks, I made my biggest stride and um, I felt really good on top in training camp. And I knew that if I got to the dominant position that I could finish the fight. And, and obviously that showed when we were, uh, you know, when I really got on top of him and started landing those real punches and then in the second when I got that takedown, um, you know, I just, I knew, I felt him, I felt him slowly, slowly just um, kind of give up a little bit, you know. Um, you know, he continued to fight, but he couldn't do anything. And so I kept going that wrist ride and, you know, I knew he was in trouble and I knew I was going to get the finish eventually. Now, you you an American top team? Nope, I'm at a Hard Knocks 365. That's in uh, in uh, Florida? Yep, South Florida with Henry Hoof, Tommy Barzini, Greg Jones, Robbie Lawley, Luke Rockhold, Kamaru Usman. Okay, so that's kind of, kind of like the former the former Black Zillions? What's that? So it's like the guys who were in the Black Zillions sort of came, started a... a yeah, yep, yes, yep, yeah. It's, you know, it's split up a little bit, but yeah, it's it's that's mostly a lot of the group and that, you know, 
guys went their separate ways, but we got a great team and I, I think it's the best team in the country. You know, it's the best team in the world actually. And, um, you know, we're proving that each fight, you know, that night, um, hard knocks went five and oh, we had, we had four other guys fighting on the Bellator card and we went five and oh, and we had four finishes. Yeah. Now I read that you saw James Gallagher backstage after his loss and it kind of was a wake up call to you of like, Oh shit, don't take this for granted. This could be you. Um, yeah, you know, obviously the fight happened. I was in the locker room. I heard it happen. And then I was walking back and right before the fight, they take you around to where you walk out. You know, I saw him and his mom and, and, um, I don't have any problems with him. You know, he's a 35 pounder. So I don't think a 35 pounder is trying to pick a fight with a 70 pounder. Um, but you know, I just, I saw him in like the agony of defeat and you know what it meant to him. And obviously, you know, right before you walk out, that's a, it's, it's emotional to see something like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, you kind of go through a little mental uh, lapse and just say, all right, that's not going to happen to me. Like, you know, one way or another, I'm going to guarantee that is not going to happen to me when I go out there. Now, I was looking up some of your, uh, some of your stuff. I didn't realize how good of a wrestler you were. You were in South Dakota, a six time state champion. So in seventh, yep. in seventh grade, you won the high school ch- state championship? Yep. Yeah, I beat the defending um, junior state champ at 103. I mean, that's insane. As a seventh grader. Yep. That, I mean, was that hard for these high school kids to be beat by a kid that's 11 or 12? Um, yeah, you know, uh, people knew my name a little bit, but then when I really came on the scene middle of the season and – and I beat him uh, mid-season. I think then people really knew that I was for real. And and then you won it every year. Like I won the prep school, you know, championships, the New England Class A, four years in a row. But I could not imagine winning it six years in a row. I mean, that's insane in South Dakota. Uh, I mean, you're probably the best wrestler to ever come out of South Dakota. Yeah, I mean, one of them, you know, we've had a lot of them, you know, Lincoln Napparady, uh, oh, yeah, from Iowa, three-time NCAA champ, you know, from Iowa, and um, then we've had, we've had six Olympians, um, the Soslowski brothers, and um, we've had two sets of brothers, Lincoln, um, you know, and then you had Brock, and so we've had a lot of great wrestlers, and, and I think people kind of forget that South Dakota is such a wrestling state. And um, there's been a lot of great wrestlers come out of come out of the state, and so to me, you know, I just wanted to uh, etch my name and part of history, and um, you know, make the state of South Dakota proud. It's a small state, very small state, but uh, we produce a lot of great wrestlers and and great fighters. Now, Brock Lesnar took you under his wing, right? I mean, he basically he he, he helped you with your wrestling. Um, yeah, I mean, Brock is going to be you know along uh, the lines of this is what life's going to be when you start fighting. And, um, I got to see that from a young age. I have to the likes of Tony Ferguson, Randy Couture, Pat Barry, um, John Madsen, all those guys, you know, when they were in their prime time, I got to see that firsthand as a, from a freshman to a senior in high school. Wow. 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 So, I mean, how is, how's Brock looking now? Do you, do you still watch him train? Uh, no, you know, we uh, keep in touch about once a year, and, you know, he does his thing, and I do my thing, and that's about it. Right, right, right. 
Now, I was also reading that you, you grew up on a farm. Yeah, I grew up uh, in Brownsville, South Dakota, outside of Webster, uh, a town of 200 people. And the next other town was Grenville, which is a town of 50 people. So I grew up in the middle of uh, nowhere. Wow. <laughs> Did you guys have animals? Uh, we had a couple. We had some feeder cattle, you know, a couple couple hundred head of feeder cattle and mostly grain, mostly a grain farmer. So you can milk a cow? Yeah, uh, I would, you know, if you'd ask my dad, he'd say I wasn't a farm kid, but I tried to be. <laughs> right. Uh, did you meet, did you, now do you go on farmers only to meet girls or? <laughs> no, no, I, I nah, do you Do you have a girlfriend in Florida or, I mean, you probably, you probably got the cream of the crop in South Dakota, right? I mean, you were the guy probably in high school <laughs> yeah no no i have a girlfriend she uh went to the university of minnesota now she's going to Hofstra. she's going to be a going to be an orthopedic surgeon so wow take care of yeah she, hopefully she'll take care of me one day I, I, yeah i went to Hofstra. Hofstra has some of the hottest chicks girls were coming like <laughs> from like nightclubs and still wearing they still had glitter on their faces in uh in a class that's, that's perfect yeah oh it was great it was absolutely great so okay so now being a six-time state champ, you go to the University of Minnesota, you're, you become a four-time All-American, you place fourth your senior year. Was it hard not, I mean, obviously it was hard not winning the NCAAs, but you weren't used to any kind of defeat or to losing. Was, it, was that a big wake-up call in, uh, in uh, college? Yeah, you know, um, I was ranked number one most of my sophomore year, some of my junior year, and then a couple months of my senior year, and um, I never got it done. And, you know, there's little, I think that's why I put so much into fighting is, um, you know, I went and got a four-year college degree um, and, got a, you know, got a business degree and know a lot of people in the business world. Um, and I could have been done, you know, I won six, eight titles, was four-time, all, that's a, you know, most guys would think of being a four-time All-American was a great career Yeah. at the University of Minnesota. Um, but, you know, it, it hurt. You know, that was the most pain I've been through um, sports-wise. And, you know, I haven't, I've been lucky enough not to have to go through many things in life-wise um, with uh, loved ones. And so, you know, that was, you know, each year I had to deal with a little heartbreak. And um, my senior year when it was finally over, and, you know, I realized that, uh, you know, there's no more, there's no more NCAA wrestling for me. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a hard pill to swallow, but you, you know, you, I, I always wanted to fight, but then I really wanted to fight. I wanted, I wanted to be the best in the world. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about, you know, nothing. I just wanted to be able to call myself the, the absolute best in the world. And so when I took my first fight and got ready, you know, that was, that was the goal was to, you know, all right, I didn't get to win an NCAA title. Um, but I'm going to win, I'm going to win an MMA championship, whether it's Bellator, UFC, whatever, I'm going to win a title and I'm going to be the best in the world. And so, um, that was, you know, even now, you know, when I'm training, that's, that's what it's for, you know, is to, is to be the best in the world and, and, and to be able to, you know, lay down at night and, and realize that I accomplished something that I've been striving for since I've had my first fight or since the day that NCAA, NCAA finals was over my senior year was not to get the gold, you know, during my senior year at Minnesota, but to get it now. 
And so that's what really pushes me and, and helps, helps get me to the next level is, um, it's kind of that heartbreak and I haven't written down, um, you know, of remember those times and that maybe the things that you took shortcuts or did something, didn't do something extra, uh, during those four years. And so, you know, I write those down and, and those are what helped push me through, uh, each day during training camp. What are some of the things that you did that, what are some of the shortcuts that, that you do, uh, you took? I don't know if it was so much of shortcuts, but it was maybe, um, the little, you know, I worked my ass off every single day and, you know, everybody knew that, but it was maybe some of those extra things of, um, doing the two extra sprints or spending five more minutes in the wrestling room every day for four years. You know, how much time is that? How many more takedowns have you drilled? How many more extra little things have you done? You know, if you take it each day, you practice September through the end of March, you have to say you spend you do 20 extra takedowns every single day, you know, little things like that, that you start to look back on, you know, that, and I wish of, and I, you know, I did spend a lot of extra time, but why not do five more, 10 more takedowns, this little situational things, little street conditioning, little cardio things. And that, you know, you start nitpicking all the little things that maybe you could have done different, or you could have done extra and, you know, it starts to drive you crazy. And the biggest thing I guess for me in wrestling was, was taking risks. Um, when I opened up and wrestle, I don't think there's anybody that could wrestle with me. Um, but a lot of the time I would hold, not hold back on purpose, but you just don't want to, you don't want to mess up. You know, you didn't want to take a bad shot you didn't want to, you didn't want to open up and try to turn someone on top. And so you just rode and things like that. And so in fighting to me, um, I guess during the first round, you saw it, I opened, I opened the gas tank and just, I went for broke. Yeah. Well, I'm going to finish this fight. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you've lost a yeah. round since since you fought. You, you're nine and zero, right? I mean, have you even lost one minute of one of your fights? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, have you ever been hurt? Um, no. What about in a yeah, I mean, what, what about in a sparring or practice? No, I've gotten uh, I've gotten hit two times that I was, but I've never been wobbled. I've never been I've never been rocked and. And but I've gotten hit twice, and I was like, okay, all right, all right, now we're in a fight. Okay. Um, you know, besides that, no. You know, I, I, I know where I'm at, you know, and so that was, uh, you know, that's, it's just, it's just being ready, being ready to compete and to compete at the highest level possible. And that was my biggest thing since I started fighting, is to compete at the highest level possible. Well, I think you're amazing, and I think you will. I do think you're being overlooked, especially for this 170-pound tournament. Why aren't you in this tournament? Um, I think it was because I was in the middle of a fight camp, and when they made this, they made this, uh, this tournament, uh, they had guys, uh, they had kind of picked their guys out, and I was already getting ready for the South Dakota card. And, you know, Darian was the main event, but I was the main guy for South Dakota. Right. And so... I think that that had something to do with it. So now let's talk about this for a little bit. Douglas Lima versus Koreshkov. Who do you have one in this first round? Uh, Koreshkov. Really? Over Lima? I, I think so. I, I just, I mean, I've watched their fights, but I think that, um, I think that Koreshkov looked very, very, very good in his last fight. And I think his wrestling, if he can get to his wrestling, he could control Lima a little bit, get him down. I think it's into a stand up war. Now, obviously, we've seen how that's gone. Right. 
Right, right. But well, I think this fight, he'll he'll control a little differently. Uh, Paul Daly, MVP. Uh, probably MVP. He has more. He's more dimensional, longer. Um, I think that he'll get to his get to his kicks and get to a clinch, and could find Paul Daly hits him. It's it's lights out. I, I can't decide whether I believe in the MVP yet. I mean, part of me is like his father was a fourth Dan, his mom was a black belt, his brothers are all black belts, and he looks like he he hits people and they look confused, especially with that caveman Rickles fight. But he hasn't fought yeah. anyone like you. He hasn't fought anyone like John mm-hmm. Fitch. He hasn't fought anyone yeah. like like those grinders. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what I'm kind of, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's a. That's a much different story than Paul Daly, but uh, you know it's it'll be an interesting fight for sure. Uh, Neiman Gracie, Ed Ruth. Uh, Ed Ruth. Now you wrestled Ed Ruth in college, right? Yep. How did that go? Uh, Ed beat me, um, Big Ten finals and NCAA semifinals. Um, me and Ed get along. We definitely we get along. Um, but I was an eighteen-year-old boy. What, what that was, was uh, that was. That was a long time ago, and um, you know I've I've gotten a lot bigger, put on a lot lot more muscle, and just matured a lot since then. So um, it's a, it's a completely different person that he's competing against. What was the score of the match? Ten uh, two, and then um, he beat me in big tens, and then he beat me up in uh, semifinals. All he right, yeah, pretty bad. That's okay. And so it's definitely yeah, it's something that you know definitely. Uh, it motivated me, you know, motivated me to get better and to be the best. And so I'm excited if that matchup comes. Do you have like cut out pictures of him in your in your apartment or house with like all these different things? No. Oh, okay. No. And, uh, I, I don't hold grudges. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, you don't have like an Ed Ruth doll where you like stick needles in it. Hopefully that kind of. No. Oh, okay. No. All right. Uh, no. Roy McDonald, John Fitch. Uh, Roy McDonald. Really? I'm gonna take. Yeah, I'm going to take Rory. Um, I think it'll be interesting, but I think that Rory will stick his jab and stay long and make it difficult for John to do any kind of wrestling. And if he does, Rory's got good wrestling, and John has good wrestling. Um, but um, I think that I think Rory will make it a just a, a tactical fight and pick him apart and do the things that he has to do. He does really good against wrestlers. If you look at what he did against uh, Tyron Woodley, against Jake Allenberger. He has a strange style that wrestlers can't seem to figure out. It's karate guys yeah. that seem to give him trouble, like Wonder Boy or... Yeah, yeah. Those guys give him a hard time. Wrestlers, he seems to have figured out a lot of wrestlers. Good wrestlers, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, now, Lorenz Larkin versus uh, Yaroslav Amasov is the alternate fight. Have you um, put your hat in to say, listen, if one of these guys bails out, I'm ready? I mean, I, I don't really care about the ultimate al- alternate fight too much. Um, I guess for me getting it because, um, it, you know, it's it's an alternate fight, and it's uh, I, I'm not I'm not here to be an alternate. No, but I'm, saying, but know, I'm, I'm not. just saying not only for that fight, but just in general. Have you have you told Bellator if somebody gets hurt, I'm ready? Oh uh, yeah, you know, I, we we've def- we've talked to me and my manager have talked, but um, you know. I, there's other fights out there, and um, I have two fights left on this contract. So me and uh, us and Bellator will definitely have to we'll have to figure out uh, a new deal before I go be part of this tournament. 
Okay. Now I also noticed that you retweeted a couple Trump tweets. Are you a Trump supporter? Are you a Trump fan? Are you, I mean, which is, I'm not judging if you are. Well, this isn't a political podcast, uh, but I'm just wondering. Yeah, you know, I uh, I like things that make sense, and I think that a lot of his policies and a lot of things that he uh, with uh, the economy and um, what he believes in make sense. Um, I'm not saying everything he says makes sense, but I, I like a lot of the things that he says and, and um, believes in. It's very, um, it's black and white. Like, for example? Uh, with with, uh, with his border control and, you know, the illegal immigrants and all that, um, you know, certain things I, I just, I believe in. It's, you know, there's a law and it doesn't matter whether, um, you know, well, what about this one case? You know, I, I believe that um, if there's a law, there's a law for a reason and that the law should be for everyone. If I go and break a law in my, in my hometown, I'm going to get in trouble because I broke the law. And so that's how I look at a lot of things. It's just there's a law for a reason and, and we implemented implement it for a reason. And so I think that everyone should follow the law that and so that's that's how i look at a lot of things i guess politically and economically um he's been doing a great job yeah i mean i think separating the kids from the families was a mistake obviously uh that wasn't a good way of um, doing it no no i don't think it was but they knew what they were they were you know getting into when they came over here you know if, if you do that this is what will happen these are the consequences and so it's also on those parents parts where yeah, no, don't it, like, please, it, 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 please don't do this because right. this is, this is what will happen. And so they knew that before they got there, that this is what would happen. And so, you know, I'm not saying it's right either, but don't even put yourself in that situation for that to happen is, I guess, is my, is my sense on it. Is yeah. yeah if you know that you're going to put your child, your child in harm, why would you ever do that? 1,000, 1,000%, but we still shouldn't harm them. But I don't know, but I, I, I hear you. I, no, but I think it's like, like you said, this is this is great. We're talking about it. We're open about it. And uh, like we, we talked about earlier in the podcast, all of a sudden, so many people are going, "Oh, you're a Nazi. Or you're this. You're that." You, you know, political discourse and discussion yeah. is always a good thing. Yeah, always a good. Thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I like having conversations and everything else. And I'm, I'm not saying I agree with 100 percent, but I just think that when it's very simple, this is what the law is, and if you do this, this is what will happen. Well, it's like, well, this is what will happen. Like. Don't get upset when it happens because you knew before you got there in any situation, if you steal from whoever, you know what's going to happen. So don't steal. Right. Don't hurt someone. Don't do those things because you know the consequences. And so that's just, I mean, I'm not trying to get into this at all, whatever. Um, you know, I have my views. Everyone has their views. No, I, I asked you about them, it. I asked you about it. So that's why you're getting into yeah, it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's, it's very, it's very, very simple is, is don't don't break the law and don't do things you're not supposed to and you don't have to deal with the consequences. Right. And so that's if 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 our world would live that way, it would be very simple. We yeah. wouldn't have to deal with many things. So well, that's just you. my you know that's my take. I don't go to other countries and and break the law and then have to deal with it because I know that if I break the law somewhere else, it's going to be that's going to be a hassle to deal with. Yeah, I mean, this all makes sense to me. Um, so who do you want to fight next? Um, I don't really care. Um, uh, Bellator will figure it out. Bellator will, um, Bellator, my manager will sit down. I saw Dave Rickles called me out, um, on, on Facebook or something. Um, so 
he called me out. Um, but besides that, I, I, no one else really said anything. Um, so we'll see, I guess. I don't really know who's sitting out, right? You know, who hasn't had a fight in a while or who's getting ready for a fight. So we'll find the right guy and, um, we'll go from there. Yeah, so but I'm but just we, excited. We are, in an era of, we are in an era of, you know, like, for example, if you were more vocal about, like, like Colby Covington, for example, is a, you know, mm-hmm. a perfect example of somebody who, had a you know a grinding style. Nobody really wanted to fight him, but he was good. wasn't making any noise. All of a sudden, he's posting videos with porn stars and post. I'm a big Trump supporter. I'm going to the White House, and next thing you know, he gets a title shot. And this, it does seem like we're in that era now of which I don't like, but I understand it. Um, do you think maybe you know, uh, if you were a little more vocal? Uh, I understand. Yeah, I mean that's just not who I am. I don't really, you know, like you need nothing at all. I I don't like that. You know, like n- nothing gets you. I just don't like. I don't like to talk about it. I I'm not that. I don't like confrontation. I'm not. I'm not about that really. Right. Um. I grew up in a small town. Um. You act a certain way, and um. You know, I, I'm not that person. I'm not going to go out there and act like a moron. Now, if someone comes at me, it's different. Okay. Um, I'm not stupid. A lot of these guys try to be Connor and they're not Connor. They right. sound stupid. Yes. And, um, you know, they, they're just, they're not, they're not educated and they're not smart. And I just be your own person. And for me, that is, a I grew up in a, as a small, t- small, small town kid. Um, I have a lot of the same buddies. I went to the university of Minnesota. I got a good degree and, um, I work my ass off and I show up to fight every time I finish seven out of nine of my fights. And um, I believe that my wrestling is the best in the world. I believe so uh, for me, for me, I don't. I, I'm not a big guy that likes to put everything out on social media. I don't. I don't. I, I don't Instagram a lot. I don't tweet a lot. I don't Facebook. I, I don't. I don't. You know, for me, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't care. I don't like if if 10 million people like a picture or 10 million people follow me. It doesn't change my life. I'm going to go to bed the same way. Um, so that's just that's how I look at things. Um, for me, I got in this sport to become the best fighter in the world, not to have, you know, four million followers on Instagram. So you don't Instagram. think maybe wearing like overalls and like having like a pitchfork or like a hay barrel? No. Nah. You could be like the. No. Nah, nah. nah. <laughs> I mean, I could play a lot of roles. I could play the small town. I mean, I'm just a pretty normal dude um, that um, enjoys good people and good company, and um, I like the outdoors. Like. It's pretty simple. Uh, now, you know, it's going to be different when you get a title fight and you're trying to sell pay-per-views and things like that. Yeah, it's different. Okay. If Bellator would pay me um, X amount, if this, you know, if that card would have done over how many ever, you know, viewers, okay, now we have a different story. But I'm not getting paid any differently All to right. go out there and act like a moron, you okay. know? Okay, so when, uh, but when you do so get, if you need help acting like a moron, call me. Cause I have some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I have some. I have some ideas. We'll have like you'll be like the guy, like, hey, look at this. Like, oh my god, look at all these people. You know, you could just have like a big yeah. accent, and you're dipping on the way to the octagon, yeah. and you could, you know, I, I don't know. We could, we could, we could do, we could do, we could do some fun things together. I'm telling you. All right, I like it. I yeah, like it. You could have, like, yeah, you could have a bunch of cousins with you, and like, like you know, like, awesome. well, yeah, 100. percent So, uh, like a hillbilly gym. You could, you could do like a whole, yeah, you know, country boy. Thing, yeah. Well, listen, Perfect. you listen, buddy. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of your wrestling, fan of your fighting, fan of you. Uh, I can't wait to uh, watch your next fight, whenever it is. Uh, where? Yep. I, 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 I know you don't want people to follow you, but if they did want to follow you, 
Where should they go? Uh, I think Logan Storley uh, on Instagram and then Storley Storm on Twitter. All right. Storley Storm, Logan Storley. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. Well, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate the, appreciate the interview, and it's always good talking to you. You too, man. Keep up the great work, man. Keep, keep kicking ass. Yeah. Thank you. I will. Take care. Take care. So Thursday, uh, August 30th, I'm at uh, the Parlor in Bellevue, Washington. I heard that club is great. It is great. Uh, then I'm at the Blue Room in Springfield, Missouri, Friday the 31st, September 1st. Also Chattanooga, Comedy Cat, September 6th to the 9th. Then I'm in Rochester with Jeremy Piven, September 20th and 21st. It's a Thursday, Friday. Then Laugh Lines, which I can hook you up with that if you want, in yes. Vancouver, September 28th and 29th. Uh, and then Des Moines, Iowa, October 6th and 7th uh, through the 9th. Uh, so, yes, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, have a great life. Cool from Mocha Trap, Sonson 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 Trap, Sonson